Hi! The audio quality is going to be kind of shit for this intro, I imagine. I promise it will not be like this for the entire episode. I'm recording this in my car with my AirPods, which I imagine do not have the best microphones. But I just wanted to introduce this episode because it's just the audio from a YouTube video that I uploaded. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to watch the actual video. But you don't really need to. I don't think you need to like see the visuals. You'll you'll get it without without the visuals. It's fine. But this is kind of like a redo of an episode that I did almost a year ago now, where I went through the entire timeline of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's relationship. And I wanted to do it again because that first episode I did was put out before all the unsealed documents that are now public were released. And I also wanted to do something that not only went through the entire timeline of the allegations and the evidence of abuse in the relationship between Amber and Johnny, but also I wanted to do something that addressed the ways that people were discussing these allegations online, especially people who recorded different reactions to the trial on like Twitch or YouTube different content creators that were offering their real-time commentaries on the trial. So shout out to the Depp Delusion subreddit. Uh, I've mentioned them in the past before. They're kind of the most established community online of people who are not just pro Amber Heard, but people who are actually just engaging in this discourse with some sort of respect for actual facts because I didn't come into this case being all that pro-Amber myself, which I talk about a little bit in this video. I definitely came into it with a more neutral stance, uh, a little bit more of like a, a centrist on this, but as I was doing my research for this case initially, I realized that every community I found that was claiming to be neutral or not take like any sort of hard stance on the issue was pretty explicitly pro Johnny Depp. And a lot of those communities were littered with bad faith hot takes and a whole lot of misinformation, leading me to discover that the pro Amber communities were actually the best place to find factual information on this case. And I think the reason for why has become extremely obvious. Sometimes the truth skews to one side. But anyway, I posted something in that subreddit the other day asking for people to send me clips or links or just names of like content creators that they saw spreading pro-Johnny or pro-mutual abuse rhetoric during the trial. So extra big thank you to everyone who DM'd me or emailed me with tips or with links or clips because trying to find clips for this video was uh, pretty emotionally difficult to be honest. I truly couldn't stomach doing all of that research on my own. It is very very painful to watch people, especially people who I otherwise respect and agree with on different topics, contributing to the hate campaign against Amber Heard. Because what I wanted to do for this video was to only really show clips from the trial through the lens of other content creators' reactions to it. And I think that I did a a decent job of that in this video. 
in in serving my message about how fucked up the discourse around this case became but it fucking sucked to edit because every time i wanted to highlight something from the trial i had to watch videos of people reacting to it in the most painful and also just stupid of ways and i just kind of dreaded every time i would get to certain sections where i would realize like fuck i got to go find a reaction clip for this and uh, some of those things i really did not want to find reactions for especially reactions to like amber heard's account of being raped in australia i really did not like watching people respond to that testimony with just the most disgusting and stupid of hot takes possible but i i did it so big big thank you to anyone who helped lessen that load for me by informing me on like who specifically was spreading which talking points and as i mentioned in this video i am working on a part 2 for this where i'm going to go further into like the the trial and the media coverage around it so i am going to be in need of even more clips specifically i didn't even touch any of the shit that was happening on tiktok for this video so if you know of any specific tiktoks i should include in part 2 please send them to me i i don't want to dig through that that tiktok dumpster fire on my own so if you if you know of any specifically that you know were like especially egregious or ones that got like really popular last year please let me know um along with like anything else that you think i should look at or include for for part 2 you can email me you can go to medusni.com my my email is there or it is a jasmine that's j a s m i n at medusni.com you can just send me whatever there i'll probably put out another video between now and when i put out part 2 that's on like a less depressing subject so you've got a couple couple of weeks to send me whatever whatever you think i should see but anyway here's this episode bye It's been roughly a year since Johnny Depp, his PR team, and his attorneys tricked legions of otherwise reasonable people into believing either that he was abused by his ex-wife. Johnny has been the one who's been beaten, abused, and terrorized by this woman. There's just no, um, there's no debate here. Most people, including me. think that Johnny Depp is the victim in this situation. Amber Heard should have known better than to be deceptive. She was not a victim of the believe women slogan. She was the victim of her own sense of entitlement. I mean, this seems to be the year for narcissistic abuse. Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, Amber Heard, Johnny Depp is toxic femininity a thing? Or that he and his ex-wife engaged in a mutually abusive relationship? It's like a relatively complex case. I mean, there's just like layers to it, right? And like yeah. like devastation on both sides. There's a lot of evidence supporting a a claim of bidirectional abuse. Most of Amber Heard's allegations were likely exaggerations. He was also uh it presented as like the singular act, the singular force of violent behavior in this otherwise uh you know, a mutually abusive fucking relationship. Now I will admit I was once one of those people, and unfortunately, I have the digital footprint to prove that. When Amber Heard's allegations of abuse against Johnny Depp first came out in 2016, 
I did initially believe her because I had no reason not to. In 2017, I was posting Facebook links, criticizing Johnny Depp and the way the entertainment industry ignored the allegations. I was also tweeting about it at the time. Then in 2019, I started to interact more with Johnny Depp's supporters, and I was at least open to the idea that there was some fuckery afoot in Amber Heard's story. Then by 2020, I was penning some tweets where I was definitely making some points about how weird Johnny Depp's stands were, and how his supporters were using any reason to doubt Amber Heard as an excuse to push some really misogynistic talking points. Now I definitely stand by some of the things I said in those tweets, but I was certainly starting to tiptoe a bit into the mutual abuse camp. And then by April of last year, I was coming around to Johnny's side a bit more. He said something in the trial at Marilyn Manson's expense that kind of tickled me, at least. It endeared me to him, like, a little bit. So then around that same time, I made probably the worst two Instagram stories of my life. And I literally have like uploaded photos of me peeing on Instagram before. So after discussing the allegations against Black China, who allegedly wrapped a cord around Rob Kardashian's neck and I guess threatened Kylie Jenner's life, I wrote on Instagram, and y'all know I'm a girl's girl, but in another legal battle where I just got aside with the male ex over the batshit woman, and in this post I, I posted a link to a Deaf Noodles Instagram post, you know, just to make sure that nothing in this story could age well, and I said, Black China and Amber do not qualify for my sisterhood. Gross. But then it like gets worse, cause two minutes later I shared another pro-Dep Def Noodles post and said, if I believed in hell, I'd be 100% sure that Amber Heard and her legal team are headed straight there. And oh my god, I want to die reading that. Now I started to feel a little differently pretty much immediately when the Fairfax trial verdict came in. I remember hearing the verdict as it happened live and just feeling like, disturbed by it. I didn't necessarily disagree with the idea that Amber had been abusive to Johnny, whether it was mutual abuse or if she was the actual aggressor, but I still couldn't get behind the idea that the statements Amber made in the Washington Post article that she was being sued for could possibly be considered defamatory or actionable. I mean, the statements from that article were written in such a, like, delicate, precise way, where Amber didn't even refer to herself directly as a victim of abuse or Johnny as an abuser, she just referred to herself as a public figure representing abuse, which was true, and she said that she watched how men accused of abuse were protected, which was also true. She was a public figure representing abuse, and she had accused Johnny of abusing her, and he continued to get jobs after that. So. Objectively, those statements are just true. And even if Amber had said, I am a victim of domestic abuse in that article, abuse is kind of a matter of opinion anyway. Plenty of actual abusers think that they are victims of abuse. So deciding that Amber had defamed Johnny by saying all of that just had some like really weird implications for how we understand our First Amendment rights. And I also just couldn't ignore how so many people were using any doubt over Amber's story to push some incredibly misogynistic and victim-blaming rhetoric, especially with all the, like, 
body language experts evaluating this trial? The problem with Amber in her testimony is that she does all these start-stop sentences. This is congruent with someone who is being deceptive. I don't think that a person who is on trial for alleged assault accusations involved in a relationship would just be casually snacking and acting like she's so unenthused about what's going on. This is a, a threat or perceived threat is what's happening in her brain at this moment and she's trying to control her anger. And then the crinkling up and the face down, it, it, that's fine, but it comes and goes and comes and goes, not in a natural progression. If she's actually the victim, why is she not more passionate about it? What is borderline personality disorder and what signs and symptoms did Amber Heard exhibit? We're gonna break down borderline behavior and what Amber may have in common with Jeffrey Dahmer, that's next. So I found the outcome of the trial disturbing. And at the time I had recently started a podcast where I talked about like pop culture type stuff. And I thought, why not dig into this bullshit? I assume that would be a somewhat quick, easy project because I had seen a fair bit of the trial online, not really even meaning to, but it was just so omnipresent on social media that you really couldn't avoid it. I was aware of the major allegations and I knew that Johnny had previously sued The Sun in the UK and there was a trial in 2020 where there was a fair bit of evidence that was presented there that wasn't presented in the US. And since there was so much discussion about like mutual abuse versus reactive abuse or like Darvo, I thought, well, I'll just make a timeline and I'll take all of the allegations of abuse and I'll put them into chronological order with all of the corroborating evidence either for or against each stance. And then I can just put everything into its proper context and decide for myself who I think the real bad guy of this relationship was. But far from being a quick little side project, this case has consumed my life for about a year now. So at this point I've had a blog for years and then sometime in July of last year, I posted this page onto my blog site that was just dedicated to like impartial fact-based information around the Johnny Depp Amber Heard saga. Today the page is fucking loaded with information and I'm still updating it pretty regularly because there's still just so much to go through around this case that I'm constantly finding information that I somehow missed. And even currently, just more information about this case becomes public like every couple weeks. So I have now done multiple episodes of my podcast talking about this shit. One of those episodes was five hours long and that was before all the unsealed documents became public, which filled in quite a lot of the initial gaps of information that I had. And the most striking thing about this case is the more and more information that I get about it, the more confident I can say, the evidence is just undoubtedly and overwhelmingly in Amber Heard's favor. Now, whenever I say something like that, I will inevitably get hit with the exact same response. That being, did you even watch the trial? And I find that some people online, even famous, prominent people who are saying these kinds of things, my suspicion is they didn't really watch the trial. So I, I, when I see those tweets or those news reports of some prominent person saying like, this is a backslide for women and this is a backslide for me too, I'm like, did you watch the trial? Because I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if anyone watching the trial 
would say that Amber was clearly a victim of Johnny Depp's abuse? The answer is obviously yes, I did watch the trial. And in addition to that, I also read transcripts from the depositions from the Fairfax and the UK trial, listened to hours upon hours of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp fighting, read a good portion of the unsealed documents from Fairfax, read who even knows how many text messages between Amber Heard and Johnny, and Amber and Johnny and their friends, their doctors, their family members, their agents. By this point, I've read over 300 pages of either medical or mental health documents for Amber and Johnny. I've seen the evidence that was used in the UK and for some reason was precluded from being used as evidence in Fairfax. I've seen evidence that wasn't presented in either court. I've read into the allegations of hush money. I've looked into the very pro-Depp involvement of the Hollywood fixer Paul Baresi. And I also just understand how media works and how the theatrics of a trial can overpowered the actual facts of the case. I know more about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp than any person should ever know about two people that they have never met. And I can tell you with absolute certainty that if it wasn't for Johnny Depp's excellent legal team and his very manipulative PR tactics, plus all the other interested parties in the media that decided they had a stake in casting doubt on Amber Heard's story, like the Daily Wire who spent tens of thousands of dollars promoting anti-Amber propaganda, then it would be clear to any reasonable person that this case is about as open and shut as they come. Johnny Depp is a wife beater. Amber Heard is a victim. The only way it could possibly be seen as more complicated or nuanced than that is if you actually believe that any woman who fights back against the oppressively violent environment she's been confined to has just lost all right to call herself a victim and is to blame for any abuse that she faces in that relationship, no matter the severity and no matter the power imbalance. And you don't believe that, do you? Do you? So since the last time I talked about this timeline was before a lot of these unsealed documents came out and before a lot of the information we currently have was brought into the public consciousness, I'm just gonna go through it again. Now a couple things before we get started. First, this is an invasion of privacy. I'm not gonna act like it's not. We're gonna be talking about things that happen between two people that should never have been made public. Really the only person I feel bad for in that sense is Amber because her contributions to all this have been pretty minuscule. The only reason that any of this even happened is that Amber filed for a restraining order against Johnny in 2016, around the time that she filed for a divorce. But then quickly after that, her and Johnny signed an NDA where they said that they just weren't gonna talk about the relationship anymore, and Amber pretty much stayed true to that. Johnny actually broke the NDA first when he did an interview with GQ in October of 2018 and made references to Amber. And then in December of 2018, Amber did this op-ed with the Washington Post where she referred to herself as a public figure representing abuse, and that is what caused Johnny to sue her for defamation and culminated in this trial that we all watched online in 2022, whether we wanted to or not. So much of the info we now have only really became public after Johnny sued the son for calling him a wife beater in 2018, and then there was the 2020 trial where Amber was called to testify in the son's defense. So Amber never asked for this to become as public as it did. That was Johnny. So just by making this video, I am contributing to the lack of privacy that Amber Heard has had to endure. But unfortunately, this shit is already so public that 
I don't really think there's any way out of this but through. So much information has become a matter for public speculation without much of the public having the proper context for the information that they do have. And that context is incredibly necessary for understanding Amber's victimhood. And as much as it sucks to violate Amber's privacy like this, Unfortunately, this issue is just so much bigger than Amber Heard and Johnny Depp at this point. Understanding the reasons for why Amber Heard is not an abuser and is not a contributor to mutual abuse means understanding how dynamics of abuse can manifest, and that affects way more than just Amber. What Johnny did to Amber's reputation isn't an uncommon thing for abusers to do. Most abusers, though, just don't have the stage that Johnny had to do this on such a large scale, or the backing of right-wing media networks hoping to undermine the entire Me Too movement by pushing the agenda of one famous man's case against his ex. The second thing I should address is that because I would like this video to come in sometime below five hours, I'm not going to be talking about every detail or every allegation or every piece of evidence. I don't think there's anything that I'm omitting that would severely impact the average person's view on this case, but I'm sure Johnny Depp supporters will accuse me of purposefully missing some vital piece of information that they think proves Amber Heard is a liar. So just know that for every piece of corroborating evidence of Johnny's that I don't mention, there's probably like five other corroborating pieces of evidence for Amber's story that I also have skipped. In fact, Johnny is already being benefited by the fact that I'm just gonna skip over any sort of background info on these two and just go straight to when they met. So our timeline starts in 2009 when Amber and Johnny met on the set of The Rum Diaries, a movie that has now caused quite a lot of trouble for something that I don't think anybody really watched. Now when they first met, Amber was still with her ex Tasia Von Ray, and Johnny was still with Vanessa Paradis, who was the mother of his two children. Amber and Johnny supposedly did not start an affair on the set of their film, but they were kind of flirty with one another. He kind of playfully kind of pushed me down on this like bed sofa uh, that was in his trailer, just playful um, and flirtatious, and he said, uh, yum. Ew. Let's remember that Amber was like 22 or 23 at the time, so I don't think her ick radar was fully developed yet. But that's maybe a worthwhile thing to bring up, the age gap between Amber and Johnny. So when they met, Amber was about like 22, Johnny was about 46, so over 20 years apart, and to me that's not even like a primary concern. I don't think a large age gap necessarily dooms a relationship, you know, like depending on the ages involved. There are plenty of adults who have relationships with people where there is an over 20 years difference in age, but their relationships function perfectly fine. But with large age gaps often comes some sort of disparity in experience and power, and that's incredibly relevant in the relationship of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. By the time Johnny met Amber, he had much more experience with serious romantic relationships than she did. Amber did have a life partner when she first met Johnny, but Johnny had already been married and divorced by the time that Amber was born. By the time Amber was 13, Johnny had been engaged to like four or five other women in his life and was expecting his first child. And obviously Johnny was more established as an actor with more wealth and fame than Amber. Before Amber turned 18, Johnny had already starred in Nightmare on Elm Street, Edward Scissorhands, Crybaby, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, 
Ed Wood, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Sleepy Hollow, and the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I can't say that the age gap was a motivator in Johnny's decision to pursue this relationship, even though he does have a pattern of dating women significantly younger than him. Maybe he would have been just as interested in Amber had she been his age, but for sure he did take notice of the age gap and spoke about it in a way that was a little sus. Part of that is, I, Thank you, I just, Jennifer, you're welcome. I was it's confused as to the fact that whatever her age was at the time of these various arguments, she was mid-twenties to late-twenties and into thirties. Um, I couldn't I couldn't understand how I had somehow somehow gotten arrived at where I'd arrived from in where 50s, I came from in how did I end the up beginning in of my life and worked for 30 plus years um, doing these things I, it was astounding how wrong I was about everything that I've experienced He's so captivated. Um, the movie, God, he's in the film industry or within. He's a storyteller. Every answer is a journey. Life this was actually uh, when did it start? <laughs> no, I'm captivated. I, I, I listen to every word. This was even written in the final judgment for the trial in the UK. At another point in his cross examination, Mr. Depp commented that he was twice the age of Miss Heard and her lectures were not appropriate. There seems to have been an assumption on Johnny's part that because Amber was younger than him, that she should naturally be more submissive. So Amber and Johnny didn't start officially dating until 2011 when they were doing promo for the Rum Diaries, though even then they kept it a secret until March of 2013. And this is something that was brought up fairly often in Amber Heard's therapy sessions with Dr. Bonnie Jacobs starting around 2011. It was clearly a point of tension in the relationship with Johnny often telling Amber that they would go public soon, despite it taking a good like year and a half while he was still very publicly with his ex, Vanessa. Now I do want to keep this in mostly chronological order so that we can look at how the abuse escalated over time, but while we're discussing the early phase of the relationship, I am going to skip around a little bit just to discuss broad patterns that were starting to develop. So the first therapy notes we have from Amber start in October of 2011, where Amber told her therapist that she decided to date Johnny but needed to keep it a secret, and already in the notes Amber is starting to discuss problems that she was having with Johnny's drinking and substance abuse. Issues regarding Johnny's drinking and drug use would be continuously brought up in Amber's therapy sessions around that time, and that is really relevant to Amber's later claims of abuse. And it's also important to understanding why Amber stayed as long as she did despite the abuse that she is alleged. Amber specifically believed that the abuse she allegedly faced was directly tied to Johnny's using, and she thought that if she could just get Johnny sober, everything would be fine. She even told Dr. Jacobs as early as December of 2011 that she was certain she could help Johnny get sober. She complained that too many people were dependent on Johnny for financial support and said that all of his friends, his staff, his family, all enabled his behavior because of that. In November of 2012, she even told Dr. Jacobs that she thought Johnny's psychiatrist was another one of his yes-men, 
And this became one of the first big points of contention in their relationship, with Amber telling Dr. Jacobs on April 10th of 2012 that Johnny becomes enraged at Amber because she nags him about drinking and drugging. Still, there are times in which Dr. Jacobs told Amber that she was also enabling Johnny's drug use. She said that Amber was helping him get to bed when he was too intoxicated to get there himself. Amber was apparently keeping track of Johnny's appointments because he kept missing stuff or being late to jobs because he was so fucking drunk or high all the time. And according to Dr. Jacobs' notes, Amber had a very hard time refusing to see Johnny when he was using. In August of 2012, Amber told Dr. Jacobs that she couldn't bring herself to go home or not go to Johnny's house when he was drinking or on drugs because she was afraid that Johnny would get hurt if she wasn't there. Later audio recordings will show Amber and Johnny fighting a lot about Johnny's alleged splitting. By splitting, they're referring to Johnny's tendency to just abruptly leave situations, especially if him and Amber are fighting. And this became a big part of Johnny's allegations of abuse against Amber. And it was portrayed by his team that Johnny would just retreat whenever the couple would start fighting because Amber would get so violent and so provocative that he would leave to preserve the peace and Amber would just follow him to provoke him more. You, 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 you can't have a solution if the argument just keeps mounting and mounting and mounting and mounting. I fucking go to the, into the bathroom and sit on the floor. Bam, 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 here you come. I come out, fight, 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 crazy, escalated. I go, I split again, I go to another fucking bathroom or a bedroom or something. Knock, 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 bang, bang, bang. Wow. Wow. Yeah, if this is true, it, it, sure, fits, it sure fits a profile of someone who is abusive, feels entitled, has relational traumas, has been modeled that kind of behavior. And this is the tricky thing about Johnny's allegations of abuse against Amber. They are somewhat rooted in reality. Johnny will complain that Amber was really down on him because of his drug use, which she was. Or he'll say that Amber would provoke arguments or wouldn't let him leave situations in which they were already fighting, which sometimes was true. Later therapy notes do indicate that Amber does have an intense fear of abandonment. She didn't like being alone from Johnny, or really being alone, period, it seems. But that's still not the full context as to why Amber would so often try to stop Johnny from leaving during an argument. Regularly in her sessions with Dr. Jacobs, Amber would complain that Johnny would just disappear and go on benders for days at a time when he was doing drugs and drinking with his friends. When these benders would occur, Amber allegedly received no contact from Johnny whatsoever. On February 27th, 2012, Dr. Jacobs writes that Amber said she becomes panicked when Jay takes off for days and she doesn't hear from him. Amber apparently tried to talk about that with Johnny's sister, Christy, who just told her that Johnny does that on occasion and it's not really something to worry about. As the fighting started to escalate, Amber started to wonder if Johnny was punishing her for getting mad at him by disappearing for days and not contacting her. In early 2013, Johnny went to a Rolling Stones concert without Amber 
and Dr. Jacobs wrote in her notes, Amber felt very hurt that he would leave her out knowing she loves the stones. She kept asking why he would do that. She feels uncared for and unloved when he does those things and feels punished for complaining about his using. Dr. Jacobs even warned Amber in April of 2012 that Johnny's behavior was pretty manipulative and controlling, which Amber reportedly did not understand. In March of 2012, we can start to see reports of Johnny's alleged jealousy, with Dr. Jacobs writing that Johnny had begun getting angry and jealous any time that Amber was photographed eating food with men. By May, Johnny's jealousy started to expand to women as well, since Amber is bisexual, causing Johnny to go into a rage where he started to throw things near Amber's head during an argument. All the way back in 2011, Amber was telling Dr. Jacobs that Johnny was getting loud and physical during their fights. By December, she told Dr. Jacobs that she and Johnny had gotten into an argument so loud that Amber's landlord threatened to call the police. By January of 2012, not only was Johnny committing verbal abuse against Amber by calling her a whore, this is also the first report we get of a physical assault, when Johnny allegedly hit and pushed Amber to the ground, after which Amber did admit to screaming back and throwing a pan at him. Now this next part, I definitely feel weird about discussing. This is something that should be private. It shouldn't have to be a part of public discourse, but unfortunately it already is. And it is in a very distorted, uninformed way. So during the Fairfax trial, there were two major allegations of sexual violence. One being during the alleged Hicksville incident where Johnny allegedly ripped Amber's clothes off and then did a cavity search on her, the other being the alleged assault in 2013 in Australia when Johnny allegedly raped Amber with a bottle. We'll talk more about that incident in a bit, but as it was presented in the trial, these almost seem like two isolated incidents. There didn't really appear to be a precedent for this kind of behavior from Johnny, even though there was already. I think it's also worth noting that there's been a misconception about the Australia incident where people think that Amber only talked about it for the first time in Fairfax. While Amber never publicly claimed to have been sexually assaulted by Johnny prior to the UK trial, she did talk about the alleged rape in the UK. That testimony was never made public because Amber didn't have to do it in front of cameras like she had to do in Fairfax. And the judge in that case understood that event to be one of severe trauma that Amber did not want publicized. So that testimony was kept sealed. But even before either court case, Amber was alleging sexual violence in her therapy sessions with Dr. Jacobs as early as 2012. In May, Dr. Jacobs wrote that Amber gets uncomfortable when Johnny touches her while he's drunk because Johnny sometimes had trouble maintaining an erection and would get angry and sometimes violent when that would happen because he blamed Amber for his failure. In September 28th of 2012, Dr. Jacobs wrote that Johnny had started throwing things at Amber while they were arguing, with one of these alleged fights starting because Johnny was upset about Amber's clothes, prompting Johnny to rip Amber Heard's nightgown off of her and throw her on the bed where he tried to have sex with her but couldn't get an erection. Two months later, Amber complained to Dr. Jacobs that Amber's own father was a misogynist who said horrible things about how women should be treated to Johnny, to the point that after Johnny spent time with Amber's father, Johnny would become verbally and sexually abusive and had thrown Amber on their bed to have 
angry sex with her. The notes also state that Johnny would have trouble getting erect if he had been drinking, which would cause him to get angrier and then prompt him to blame Amber for his incompetence. Does it maybe make more sense now why Johnny would rape Amber with a bottle in Australia? So all of those notes were from the first, like, year and a half of their relationship. Johnny's defenders will actually try to use that as evidence that Amber is lying since there are contradictions in her story. She told the court that the physical abuse started in March of 2013, and pretty much all of that stuff happened before that time. But that's really not such a huge contradiction in Amber's story. Ultimately, you need to understand that both of the trials in the UK and in the US were a part of the fallout from 2016 when Amber filed for a restraining order against Johnny and alleged abuse in her filing. The Sun would not have labeled him a wife beater without that event, nor would have Amber Heard become a public figure representing abuse as she's referenced in the Washington Post article. So defending herself and the Sun against against Johnny's claims of defamation means defending the allegations that she made in 2016. Allegations that she made while filing for a restraining order and a divorce. Because when you make legal claims like that, you do have to cite some specific incidents to back up your story. Amber Heard had to give the LA court some details to explain why she was alleging domestic violence. To do that, she gave a short list that she thought best exemplified the abuse. She presented what was legally required of her but she was not under any legal obligation to detail every single abusive act that had taken place between 2011 and the time she was filing. And she probably wasn't operating under the expectation that she was going to have all of her claims being put under this microscope of intense scrutiny six years after she was filing. So many of the claims about Amber contradicting herself or changing her story really just refer to her making additional allegations over the course of six years. And she's made those additional allegations because she keeps getting pulled back in court to defend herself. She wasn't obliged to disclose every single abusive act inflicted onto her by her ex the second she alleged abuse. So Amber not being publicly transparent about everything that happened in that relationship doesn't make her a liar. And in any victim's account of abuse, we need to really, really temper our use of words like contradiction or refutation. You are always going to be able to find some minor error in allegations like this. Memory is not infallible, and keep in mind that Amber in Fairfax was testifying about some events that had happened almost 10 years ago at that point. She's not going to be able to remember everything perfectly, especially well enough to be able to give an audience specific dates for each event. According to Amber's therapy notes, the relationship was pretty volatile from the start. It only evolved in intensity. It's going to be extremely hard for a victim in a case like this to parse exactly when certain lines were crossed. Especially when Amber is not a perfect victim and was definitely reactive in a lot of the arguments that her and Johnny had. Even in the first incident of a physical assault in January of 2012, Amber was admitting to her therapist that she screamed back at Johnny and threw a pan at him. She could possibly have conceptualized that as a fight between the two of them 
rather than an act of violence that was inflicted onto her. Whereas the slap in March of 2013 that Amber did call the first act of abuse was, according to her, completely one-sided. She said that Johnny hit her three times. The first time, she didn't even realize that he was serious. I asked him about the tattoo he has on his arm. I didn't know what it said. And I said, what, is it, what does it say? And he said, it says, why no? And I laughed and slapped me across the face. And I laughed. I laughed because I, I didn't know what else to do. I thought this must be a joke because I'm, I didn't know what was going on. I just stared at him, kind of laughing still, thinking that he was going to start laughing too to tell me it was a joke. That in itself should tell you how violence had become so normalized in that relationship. But whatever, this is where we do start to get into the stricter timeline of events. So early March, Amber said that Johnny slapped her because she laughed at his uh, wino tattoo or whatever. Now I believe that that event happened, but to be fair, that is a complete he said, she said. There's really no corroborating evidence behind it. The only two people that will ever know if it happened are Amber and Johnny, and Johnny I'm assuming might have been too drunk at the time to remember anyway, so probably just Amber. Moving on to March 8th of 2013, Amber claims Johnny slapped her again after the two had an argument about a painting that was hanging in Amber's bedroom that was made by by Amber's ex, Tasia Von Ray. Amber said that Johnny slapped her so hard, blood from her lip hit the wall of her home, and Johnny threatened to light Tasia's painting on fire. Now, there are four pieces of corroborating evidence for this. The first is that by Johnny's own admission, he was kind of pissed about the painting. Second, we do know that Johnny did vandalize either the same or another painting by Tasia at some point during the relationship writing P over Tasia's last name to make it like Tasia Van P. Third, though there are no specifics mentioned in it, Amber's therapy notes at the time did report her being distraught by Johnny's recent behavior. And the fourth thing is a text conversation between Johnny and Amber on March 12th. Johnny wrote, Just thought you should know that there exists a book titled Disco Bloodbath. That's all. To which Amber responded, We need that book. Is it about last Friday night by any chance? Now on March 12th, 2012, last Friday would refer to March 8th, the night of the alleged slap. So Johnny responded, How can you make me smile about such a hideous moment? Yes, it is. Funny bitch. I fucking love you. And then he, he wrote a word that I can't say without getting immediately age-restricted, so... Just gonna leave that one there. March 18th, Amber told Dr. Jacobs that Johnny had thrown her against a wall and threatened to kill her while in her apartment. She said that her landlord threatened to call the police, but she told them that everything was fine. And after that, Amber said that Johnny was loving and nice again and was sorry he hurt her. In this event as well, Amber admitted to screaming back at Johnny and putting him down. March 22nd, we start to see Amber reaching out and telling other people about the abuse she was alleging at the time. She texted her sister Whitney that night and told her not to come over because they were fighting and it was getting kinda nasty. To her friend Rocky, she wrote, JD has been crazy. He's on a major bend. I can't even tell you. I feel really lonely and freaked out. She also texted Johnny's sister saying, he's upset and there's nothing I can do to reason with him. He's another person when he's like this. He's fueled up on booze and coke and he believes we are fighting. No one is fighting with him. 
He's just gone. This is the fourth time this week. The only time we have this kind of fight is when that combo is in action. It's been killing me lately. I don't know how to avoid the blowout. I can't reason with him or calm him down. I can't even avoid it. He finds something to jump on and then uses it as an excuse to dose himself up, which is where he is now, wasted. I feel terrible and responsible somehow for this mess. Amber also had a long conversation with her mother that bled into the next day. She said that Johnny was violent and crazy and that it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde on a binge. The next morning, she told her mother that Johnny had been at her house for weeks at that point and that last night she had locked the deadbolt on accident and had her first peaceful night. In Amber's next therapy appointment after that night, she told Dr. Jacobs that Johnny had gotten nasty with her and had grabbed her arm, possibly referring to the event that caused the bruise that Amber took a photo of and sent her mother on March 23rd. On May 8th, 2013, Amber told her therapist that she couldn't get Johnny to stop using drugs or drinking, and that sometimes Johnny would get so angry with himself that he burns himself with cigarettes in front of her. Amber said that when she tried to get him to stop, he would just get angrier. Now skipping forward a bit, there are audio recordings of Johnny self-harming in front of Amber and her trying to get him to stop. Don't, don't, please don't, don't, don't cut. cut yourself. Please don't cut. Cut. Please don't cut yourself. Please, I know I've hurt you. Do it. I would never cut you. Cut me. I would never do that to you. Please cut me. Don't. Come on, pussy. Come on, pussy. Yeah, you fucking hate me. Come on. Cut me. Terrible. Not a problem. What do you want? Not on my arms. Not on your arm. Not on your arm. I'm gonna be cut. Do you? Just gonna go to court. Don't, 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 don't. Don't you tell me. Please don't do that. Put the knife down. Don't. Just put the fucking knife down. Don't. Don't do that. Do not do that, Johnny. Please, you're going to look at you. You're going to hurt yourself. Please. I want to look at you. I know you're in pain. But stop. Please There's don't. There's a way for the pain to go away. It's not, it's not that. It doesn't make it go away, trust me. You don't fucking know. It do, you know. It doesn't make it go away. Really? Did it make it go away? Yeah. It did? Please don't, please don't do it, okay? There's love here. There is love here. There's love here. I wouldn't be here. I have no other reason to be here. A knife is really dull, and it would be the worst thing in the world to use to cut no, me with. It, it would be too <clears throat> painful and dull and dirty to use. Yeah, that's the tip of the No, no, please do not, do not, do, don't, 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 you're going to hurt yourself. Don't. See, it's okay. Please don't, please don't cut yourself. Please, please don't. Please stop. Please stop. Please. Don't, don't hurt yourself, please. No, don't hurt myself at all. Moving right along to early June, the Hicksville incident. I won't linger on this one for too long, but basically Amber said that she and her friends and Johnny were all hanging out, doing drugs, having fun, when Johnny became suddenly upset with one of Amber's friends for being too affectionate toward her or something. 
Yet again, this is something that Johnny kind of corroborates, and other witnesses have testified that Johnny was in fact acting super aggressive and weird that night. Did you personally witness Mr. Depp become, quote, angry and aggressive, end quote, toward a friend of yours? Yes. I have gummy bears. I forgot they were in my desk. What did you witness Kelly to Milano doing that evening before Mr. Depp became, quote, angry and aggressive? angry and aggressive. I witnessed her hang out with the rest of the group. You testified that Mr. Depp said words to the effect of, quote, get off my woman, end quote, your friend. Oh, is this right? is the Hicksville. Sorry, I lost I my train of thought. That. I was bored. Johnny and Amber then went into their trailer where they apparently got into a very large fight, which escalated until Johnny sexually assaulted Amber and also did quite a lot of property damage within the trailer. And while there were no witnesses for the fight, Christina Sexton did say that she heard the argument outside and mostly heard Johnny's voice, and multiple people testified that the damage within the trailer was pretty significant. Now, of course, there is the testimony of Morgan Knight, who said on stand that the damage wasn't that bad, and he talked to Johnny, everything was fine, and Amber actually seemed like the weird one from what he had seen that night. First of all, I don't even know how they let that guy testify because he was already tweeting about the trial before he even took the stand, and the witnesses were not supposed to be paying attention to the trial or the social media conversations that were taking place around it at the time, so I don't get why his testimony wasn't just completely dismissed. And if you want to talk about contradictions, he gave some pretty inconsistent statements as to how long he was even in Johnny and Amber's presence that night. And there's also just kind of a hint of misogyny in some of his statements and also some of his previous behaviors that make it a little bit hard for me to take his testimony against Amber super seriously. He was kind of cowering and seemed almost afraid and, um, it was really like wow to see because wow. he was older than her, obviously. So June eleventh, twenty thirteen, Amber wrote an email to herself talking about Johnny's violent behavior and his substance abuse. And on the very same day, Johnny sent a text to Paul Bettany saying that he wanted to fuck Amber's burnt corpse. This is a text message exchange that you had with Paul Bettany. You text Mr. Bettany, let's burn Amber. Oh, Johnny. Exclamation points, right? You see that? I do see that. You say, let's drown her before we burn her. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Okay, we talked about this, Johnny. Did I read that right? You certainly did, yes. And you wrote that about the woman who would later become your wife. Yes, I did. If Johnny is the true victim here, and again, we haven't heard both sides, but if he is the true victim, and I do think he is a victim of at least some things, then it's not at all uncommon for a victim to sort of take out their frustration, meaning to say terrible things about the abuser. This his trauma response to the abuse that she has been allegedly afflicting on him. He told the UK court, I was resentful of the fact that Miss Heard was very aggressive and quite insulting about my use of alcohol, or if cocaine came into the picture. She did not like Mr. Bentney, and I'm afraid she did not really like me that much either, and she was constantly harping on things that did not even exist. July 9th, Johnny sent a text to Amber that said, 
Don't call me again and do not expect anything from me. Have a great shoot, you sicken me. Leave me fucking be, Officer Squarehead. Your display of guilt and matronliness as a lesbian camp counselor was plenty. Your future is on display. Best of luck. The next day, he sent a text to his sister saying, It was not pleasant today. I wasn't aware she had another goddamn photo shoot tomorrow. That's really why she fucking left. I don't need actress bullshit and her fucking ambition. The day after that, Johnny sent another text to Paul Bettany saying, I, of course, pounded and displayed ugly colors to Amber on recent journey. I'm an insane person and not fair-headed after too much of the drink. Weed, pills, fine. Booze? My capacity is too large and I won't stop. Ugly and sad. Oh, how I love it. January 1st, 2014, Amber complained to Dr. Jacobs that Johnny was drinking and using drugs again. She said she feared she was failing because she couldn't get Johnny to be sober. Other reports of Johnny's drug use will continue throughout the January therapy notes, but on January 17th, people would announce that Johnny and Amber were engaged. On the 30th, Amber complained to Dr. Jacobs that Johnny's sister was causing problems by helping Johnny gain access to drugs and alcohol. Amber said that there were too many people who supported his using. February 3rd, we start to get discussions of a prenup. Dr. Jacobs wrote that Amber and Johnny had discussed getting a prenup before their wedding, and Amber said that she would sign one, but Johnny was refusing, saying the only way one of them is leaving the marriage is death. When Dr. Jacobs asked Amber if she thought that sentiment was scary, Amber said she found it funny and endearing. Fuck. We'll come back to that conversation later. May 10th, 2014, Amber sent an email to her then-assistant Kate James, asking Kate to ensure that Johnny didn't see any of her one-liners for her schedule that day, out of concern that Johnny would notice the romantic nature of the scenes with James Franco and become really angry. May 15th, 2014, Amber told Dr. Jacobs that Johnny had gotten really mad at her after seeing a photo of Amber and James posing together on the set of their film, causing Johnny to threaten breaking up with Amber while then throwing things at her and cutting and burning himself when she left to go to a friend's house. When Dr. Jacobs told Amber to call an ambulance when Johnny was self-harming in front of her, Amber said she couldn't do that due to the fear of the press publishing the story. Amber also apparently said that calling the police would not do anything because he's a celebrity. Then on May 22nd, 2014, Johnny had his first consultation with Dr. Kipper. Dr. Kipper is a Beverly Hills physician who has previously been accused of overprescribing addictive medications to his celebrity clients including Ozzy Osbourne, who was reportedly on as many as 42 pills per day while under Dr. Kipper's care. Dr. Kipper has been publicly reprimanded by the Medical Board of California for poor record keeping, and in 2004, the board accused Kipper of gross negligence in the care of eight patients and threatened to take his medical license away. So that's just a little background info on Johnny's doctor. Anywho, on May 24th, we have the Boston to Los Angeles plane incident. According to Amber, Johnny was heavily intoxicated and angry, mostly over the James Franco shit. He allegedly threw objects at Amber, yelled at and taunted her, slapped her across the face, pushed her onto the ground, threw a boot at her while she was on the ground, then went into a bathroom where he passed out. In court, Amber provided all audio of Johnny howling in the bathroom. 
what's really funny about that recording is, in the UK trial, Johnny tried to challenge the legitimacy of that recording by saying that maybe it wasn't him. The next day, Johnny sent a text to Amber saying that his illness had crept up on him and he was so sorry, so sorry. He wrote that at 10.42 a.m. Just over two hours later, he sent Amber a follow-up text writing, I see that understanding and forgiveness ain't on the menu. I'm disappointed to see that, but not too surprised, I suppose. Then about 30 minutes after that text, he wrote, I hear sadly through others that you will be flying to NYC tonight. Unfair for you to run away, but perhaps you're right. Again, I'm sorry, but I don't deserve this. It's an ugly decision. Now let's look at the text exchange between Amber and Johnny's assistant, Steven Duders. Steven, he's incredibly apologetic and knows that he has done wrong. He wants to get better now. He's been very explicit about that this morning. Amber, yes, but I don't know how to be around him after what he did to me yesterday. Steven, he wants to see you so much. He's distraught. Amber, look, he thinks he doesn't deserve this. Obviously, he has no idea what he did or to the extent that he did it. If someone was truly honest with him about how bad it really was, he'd be appalled and definitely wouldn't say to me that he doesn't deserve it. I'm sad that he doesn't have a better way to really know the severity of his actions yesterday. Unfortunately for me, I remember in full detail everything that happened. Steven, he was appalled. When I told him he kicked you, he cried. It was disgusting and he knows it. I wasn't with him when he sent you the second text. He read it to me and I said it was the wrong text to send. He then sent the third one and sat and cried again on the bed. He's a little lost boy and needs all the help he can get. He is so very sorry, as he should be. Amber, he's done this many times before. Tokyo, the island, London, remember that? And I always stay always believe he's going to get better, and then every three or so months, I'm in the same place. Now, TMG, the management company, Johnny Depp's former business managers who later sued him, alleged, among other things, that Johnny's managers had made several payments on his behalf to conceal acts of violence as well as Depp's drug and alcohol abuse. Ahead of the 2022 Fairfax trial, Amber and her legal team tried to get documents from TMG regarding this alleged hush money. Amber's filings with the court write, TMG was aware that Mr. Depp had violently abused Miss Heard and that he pressured his employees to make false public statements denying this fact. TMG also paid millions of dollars to various members of Mr. Depp's staff, many of whom will be witnesses in the underlying lawsuit, as well as millions of dollars to bail Mr. Depp out of numerous legal crises and make a series of hush money settlements. TMG alleged that Mr. Depp repeatedly coerced individuals to lie to protect him, for example, when text messages were published showing that Mr. Depp's longtime assistant apologized to Miss Heard for Mr. Depp's disgusting behavior, Mr. Depp pressured the assistant to falsely and publicly accuse Miss Heard of manufacturing those messages. According to TMG, Mr. Depp knew full well that the text messages were genuine, but pressured and berated his assistant to falsely challenge the text publicly. TMG also alleged that its principal, Joel Mandel, was informed well after the fact through 
communications with various house staff and security that Depp had been extremely volatile and had sometimes gotten physical with Heard, and that Depp had violently kicked Heard during an incident that took place in or around 2014. Amber was not able to use TMG's documents to support her case. After TMG claimed that it would be too burdensome to the company to produce those documents, and they were already under protective order. Going back to text messages though, let's remember how Johnny responded to Amber not instantly forgiving him for the alleged plane incident when he texted her that he didn't deserve this and it's an ugly decision for her to run away from the conflict. Two days after Johnny sent those texts, he sent texts to his sister writing, No reason for her to speak to anyone, let alone a doctor. I'm out. I'm done. Her actions have added more drama than necessary. And when was I unhealthy exactly? When was I not sober for a day? Hmm, I guess that's what people call falling off the wagon. It's happened to a lot of my friends. Their wives don't stop calling them. Now the interesting thing here is that line, when was I not sober for a day? Like all the time? In fact, three days after that text, he sent a text to Paul Bettany saying, I'm gonna properly stop the booze thing, darling. Drank all night before I picked Amber up to fly to LA this past Sunday. Ugly mate. No food for days, powders, half a bottle of whiskey, a thousand Red Bull and vodka pills, two bottles of champers on plane, and what do you get? An angry aggro, word I'm not gonna say, and a fucking blackout screaming obscenities and insulting any fuck who gets near. I'm done. I am admittedly too fucked in the head to spray my rage at the one I love. For little reason, I'm too old to be that guy. But pills are fine. Then on June 8th, he texted someone named Patty Lee and said, Horrific fights with Amber. I fucked up and drank and got shitty. Was so disappointed in myself. Now I want to run back to something that Johnny said in his text with Christy. No reason for her to speak to anyone, let alone a doctor. Moving forward, Johnny will at several times express issues that he has with Amber's doctors. At the beginning of August of 2014, we get our last notes from Dr. Jacobs until after the divorce. August 4th, Dr. Jacobs writes that Amber and Johnny had gotten better about not acting out physically, but when Dr. Jacobs suggested that the two get some sort of couples counseling, Amber apparently told her that Johnny did not want to do impartial couples therapy and was only willing to use someone that he knows, if anyone. But not only did Johnny not want to attend couples therapy with someone he didn't already know, he didn't want Amber going to her own therapist anymore. In 2019, Amber resumed her treatment with Dr. Jacobs, and Dr. Jacobs wrote in those notes that Amber had been barred from seeing Dr. Jacobs because Johnny wanted her to go to his guy, who gave her medication that Amber said didn't help and allowed Amber to receive very little talk therapy. Amber said she she felt blamed by the psychiatrist hired by Johnny, and she told Dr. Jacobs that she believed everything was her fault during the marriage, so by mid-August 2014, Dr. Jacobs is out. From this point forward until the end of the marriage, all of Amber's medical and mental health treatment would be at Johnny's discretion, paid for by him and under the umbrella of Dr. Kipper's care. Even notes from Johnny's own nurse talk about Amber's mental health treatment as if it's a part of Johnny's treatment. On the 27th of August, Debbie Lloyd, Johnny's nurse, 
wrote about how Amber now had a registered nurse overseeing her treatment and said that that RN was going to help Amber with her anxiety and put her on new mood stabilizer medication. This is brought up in Johnny's notes because Johnny thought that Amber's new treatment was going to help his stress. But again, it's not like Amber wasn't getting any sort of mental health treatment prior. She did have a therapist. The problem was, it was her own therapist. She wasn't being treated under Johnny's medical staff supervision. Even then, though, he complained about the therapist that Dr. Kipper assigned Amber. On July 15th, 2015, he texted Dr. Kipper and said, I've just got quite a lot going on with business stuff, my Keith film, and some Amber issues. By the way, I'll try not to be too subtle about this. Dr. Cowan should be stripped of his license to practice his supposed profession, and then he should be stripped and spray-painted whilst handcuffed to a stop sign. He is at best a fraudulent, irresponsible turd of monumental proportions. Then a few days after that, he wrote Dr. Kipper again and said, Hey dear pal, Amber is happy-happy with Cowan. I just don't know what truth he gets, and I don't know what his manners and strengths are. I think she listens to him because when we argue, she slathers me up in the most condescending, psychic psychiatric trophy lines like, your fear is so visible, what are you scared of? Why are you letting your fear and your ego control your life, etc. Hippie shit makes me want to rampage against anyone wearing Birkenstocks. Then after Amber filed for divorce, Johnny sent an email to her previous RN and said, I was the client ultimately. If you and Debbie are able to at least speak of me, who I really am and what, I was the one who asked for you to calm her down and keep her under control. Not because she was kicking drugs, it was to take her pressure away from me. Same reason that I hired her shrink, who by the way, only made her worse. And this is why the mutual abuse claim is such bullshit. Johnny Depp controlled everything about Amber's life. By the time that they married on February 3rd, 2015, Amber didn't own any property. Multiple sources have claimed that Johnny wanted Amber to completely quit acting and just be financially dependent on him. Some of Amber's friends even would go on to live on Depp's properties rent-free. Maybe that was just an outcome of Johnny's genuine generosity. Or maybe he was ensuring that Amber and all of Amber's loved ones were dependent on him financially so that Amber had no real power in that relationship. A month before the wedding, Dr. Kipper emailed Dr. Cowan, Amber's therapist, and said that Johnny had confirmed his need for a prenup. Right after the wedding, however, Dr. Cowan wrote in his notes that Johnny had apparently fired Amber's prenup lawyer prior to the wedding. Johnny would later do the same thing when Amber tried to hire a lawyer to draft a postnup agreement. What if any communication did you receive from Mr. Depp in connection with the postnup agreement? I received one telephone call. And whom did you receive that telephone call from? Mr. Depp. Please describe the telephone call from Mr. Depp. My recollection is that he was very mean, um, that he called me names, and that he fired me on behalf of them. When you say that he was very mean, what did you mean? Well, my only exact recollection is he called me a bitch. 
So when Johnny says that him and Amber were fighting about a prenup or were fighting about a postnup, they weren't fighting about whether or not there should be an agreement in place. They were fighting about whether or not Amber should have a say in the agreement. And Johnny's coercive control of people didn't just extend to Amber. I'm gonna read a text conversation between Johnny and his assistant Nathan from March of 2015. It starts with Johnny asking Nathan for more cocaine, to which Nathan basically responded like, Hey, you're doing a lot of cocaine. You might want to slow down because this is starting to get a little risky. Here's the interaction that follows that. Johnny, I don't need you for that. No more. That is not a part of the job description. And I'm telling you now, any one of any of you guys start to lecture me, I just do not want to hear it. No stupid bullshit about sappy bollocks. I am a grown fucking man and I will not be judged. Nathan, I have never judged you and never will. I fucking love you and do everything I can to make you happy. Johnny, and I will never, ever live in this world cage any longer. Nathan, do you honestly think I ever want to upset you? You have been nothing but good to me for my entire career. It is because of you that I am still in this industry. I only want you to be happy. Johnny, I'll do whatever I damn well please. Nathan, I would encourage you to do it. You are my legend. Fuck Disney. I know you will. And I will never stop you from doing whatever you please. Johnny, that's very sweet. And you know I love you. Nathan, I know you do. That's why it upsets me when you get like this. You know I would die for you. For your kids. I will do anything in my power ever to make you happy. Anything. Six days later, Johnny sent Nathan another text message saying, Need more whitey stuff ASAP, brother man, and the e-business. Please, I'm in bad, bad shape. Say nothing to nobody. And that leads us directly into the Australia incident of March 2015, when Amber said that her and Johnny started fighting because he brought out a bag of MDNA despite promising to be sober. He pulls out a bag of MDMA. I asked him what it was, and he told me it was MDMA. And I was surprised because at the time, that was, you know, like, um, there was no question mark as to how I would respond to that, or so I thought. It's like, what do you, why would you even think that that's okay? I, it was the exact opposite of what I expected, what I wanted, and it, it just seemed delusional at the time to me that he would even suggest this to be something that I could participate in with him. Like it's that it kind of started the art, an argument and we get in an argument and I shove past him, just stomp off. And he grabs me. We have an argument about me walking away and am I walking out of this? And in my head, I was like, I, I would, I actually wasn't thinking of leaving yet, but that would later be going through my mind. We had another argument that was a, a spin-off from that. It was just kind of this on-off, on-off sort of thing um, that I remember eventually he shoves me up against the fridge. Uh, he has me by the throat and he just was holding me there. Just kind of bashing me against the wall next to the fridge. We're kind of moving in that area and at some point I'm in his face he had, he, I don't know if he had let go of my neck or loosened my grip, but I remember slapping him across the face, screaming at him, 
screaming at me. I got my hand free when I, when he tried to grab me when I walked off. This is March 2015. By this time, I'm being medicated by his doctor. He's giving me anti-anxiety meds. He's giving me, you know, had already tried to give me antidepressants. They didn't work for obvious reasons, I hope. I managed to go to sleep. I took some sleeping pills. I woke up. The next thing I remember is um, coming downstairs and um, looking for him and I tried to defend myself. I was explaining, you know, trying to say that... Objection, Your Honor, hearsay. He was just belligerent. I don't know how to describe to you because it wasn't making sense. I don't know how the, the next part of the violence actually even initiated, but again, he has me up against the wall and I remember this time he slams me up against the wall hard. I remember the name calling, the whore, the slut, the fat ass. I remember slamming my head up against the thing. He had me by the neck, squeezing my neck, and uh, it got really, it got really nasty. It went from like, oh, no one likes you, no one likes me, everyone warned me about you. That's what it was. He started to tell me that everyone had warned him about me. No one liked me. I am in a in a like a, a struggle with him where I'm holding his shirt lapel, um, and he kind of just flings me, for lack of a better way to describe it, throws me uh, across the room. I land on the a games table. It's like a ping pong table. He gets on top of me on the games table and is just whacking me in the face, like repetitive. Um, he holds up this bottle to me um, and he um, is telling me that I can't control him anymore and if I really wanted to try take it and then he's like taunting me to take the bottle from him kept saying go on and kind of gesturing with the the bottle towards me I pick it up and I slam it down on the ground right in between us and I smash the bottle on the floor and that really set him off I don't know if he backhanded me or hit me normally. I don't, I, I don't really recall, but I remember it sent me down to the ground. Um, I remember by the time I picked myself off the floor, I stand up. He's got a bottle in his hand. He threw it at me. It missed, thankfully, but I kind of pulled myself back into the bar area. I don't know how much time passed, but at some point he had a broken bottle uh, up against my face, neck area by my jawline and he told me he'd carve up my face. It wasn't the first time he said that to me. He said that to me on the plane as well. I, I, I honestly don't remember if I um, threw anything in his direction. I, I don't think I did. Um, I just remember him having me by the nightgown. At one point he has me up against the, the wall and he's punching the wall. He um, had my you know, nightgown and it kind of ripped it off my chest. I remember at one point he's teasing me, taunting me that I he has my, my breasts in his hand. Um, my nightgown came completely off. It was ripped off of me. So I was naked and I'm slipping around on this tile and trying to get my footing. And I remember slipping on this tile of glass underneath me and I remember just trying to get my footing. You know, I felt really destabilized and felt really vulnerable. I'm naked and he's flinging me around and at some point, I'm up against the wall and he's screaming at me that he fucking hates me, that it ruined his life. And he starts punching the, the wall next to my head, holding me by the neck. I get free from him. I kind of step back and he went from punching the, the wall 
to like realizing there was a phone there and he picked up the phone and he's screaming, he's like at the top of his lungs screaming, I fucking hate you, I fucking hate you, you ruined my fucking life. And screaming at the top of his lungs, he picks up the phone and starts bashing the phone against the wall, against the wall where I was just being held. And I remember kind of having some distance on, on what was happening and watching him do this. And it was like his energy had shifted and I was that phone all of a sudden. And he was just over and over again, smashing this phone into the wall over and over again, screaming at me. And I was watching the phone every single time he pulled his hand back. It was just breaking into pieces. I, at some point he's on top of, 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 of me no phone, but screaming the same thing. I fucking hate you. You ruined my fucking life. I'm on the countertop. It had me by the neck and he felt like he was on top of me. And I'm, lo I, I'm looking at him in his eyes and I don't see him anymore. I've never been so scared in my life. It was, it was black. I couldn't see him. My head was bashing against the back of the bar and I couldn't breathe. And I remember trying to get up and I was slipping on the glass. My feet were slipping, my arms were slipping on the countertop. And I remember just trying to get up so I could breathe, so I could tell him that he was really hurting me. I didn't think he knew what he was doing. I don't know how. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. I, mean, I couldn't breathe. Please. I don't know. Please, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I couldn't. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get through to him. I couldn't. I couldn't get up. I couldn't get up. And I don't know how that ended. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know what happened next. I don't understand. I will. bar, meaning my chest was up. I was staring at the blue lights and my chest was on this, my back was on the countertops and I thought he was punching me. I thought he was, I was
it didn't feel pain. It was just a pressure on my pubic bone and I don't know. Yeah, you don't slip on broken glass on tile when you're barefoot. You, yeah, you might stain all sorts of cuts. Yeah, like that sends you to the hospital for surgery. This doesn't really make sense. If the guy's gonna lose his mind over a single bottle of alcohol being broken, I I find it very hard to believe he would start throwing tons of alcohol at her, wasting even more. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to listen, but her voice is not cracking. So as she says, I'm sorry, and is breathing heavily, her voice, her voice is still steady, and that's hard for me. Um, this is a whole lot. I couldn't. Where is security? I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get through to him. I couldn't. I couldn't get up. I couldn't get up. And I don't know how that ended. I don't know. I don't know how. But where's Ben King? I don't know what happened next. Where's security? There's so many people in this house is the thing that's hard for me. Next meme involves private information, trauma, physical and emotional abuse. But I just hate this bitch so much that it's worth memeing. Now, eventually Amber took an Ambien and went to sleep. When she woke up, Johnny had cut his finger and had written messages to her in his blood, on the walls, on lampshades, on mirrors. When he ran out of blood to write the messages, he just dipped his finger into paint and continued to write all over the house. Messages like starring Billy Bob Easy Amber, which was apparently a reference to Johnny's jealousy over Amber doing a movie with Billy Bob Thornton. Now on the topic of Johnny's finger. Johnny said that Amber sliced off the tip of his finger when she threw a bottle at him. Amber said she doesn't know exactly how Johnny injured his finger, but it probably happened at one point in the night when he was smashing this phone onto the wall of the house. I'm not gonna show a photo of the injury because I don't think YouTube would let me do that. But if you've seen the image, I have a very, very hard time believing that that injury was the result of Amber throwing a bottle at Johnny. Like, the bottle would have to break in such a specific way for a piece of glass on it to slice Johnny's finger so severely that it basically went, like, all the way through, but on, like, a curve. What makes slightly more sense is the idea that Johnny was holding a bone with his finger right here smashing up against a wall. In fact, it makes so much more sense that when Johnny went to the hospital and told the medical staff there that he cut his finger just with a knife cutting onions or something, doctors at the hospital noted that the injury was more proximately suggestive of a crushing mechanism, as in crushing. But truthfully, I don't think anyone really knows what happened to Johnny's finger including Johnny. I mean, if he had such a good memory from that night that he could remember where his hand was when Amber threw the bottle at him, and he had a decent memory of the location of 
where this injury apparently happened? Then why is there an audio recording from the following afternoon where Johnny's staff is looking all over for this missing part of his finger and they can't find it because Johnny didn't know where it was? Downstairs, but I went through that really carefully. My reasoning, which may be wrong, should be where all the blood is, and that's down there. Yeah, I'm Especially in the UK testimony, Johnny's recollection of events is highly questionable. His memory of his own coherence sometimes wavers from sentence to sentence. In the plane incident, for example, with Johnny's first witness statement saying, I remember the flight from Boston to LA in detail, despite him then admitting under cross-examination that he probably did black out during parts of the trip. Now for the Australia incident, the UK documents state, the claimant denied that he had delayed seeking medical help. This is referring to medical help for his finger, which is obviously not true considering he stayed up all night writing messages on the wall with his blood. He didn't call his security staff until the afternoon after the incident occurred. So clearly, he delayed seeking medical help. The documents then write, there are in evidence photographs of some of the graffiti which the claimant drew. Part of this read, starring Billy Bob Thornton Easy Amber. Mr. Depp agreed that he wrote that. He also wrote on a lampshade, good luck and be careful at the top. He agreed he had done so at a time when he was severely injured. It was put to Mr. Depp that he did not know what he was doing. He replied, I knew exactly what I was doing. Johnny has gone on to claim that the only reason he wrote all of those messages at the time was because he was in shock over his injury. But a man who's in shock doesn't sound like a man who knew exactly what he was doing. Now I guess sometime after that, Amber's friend Ayo went over to Johnny's house to confront him about his behavior in Australia. So on March 12, 2015, Dr. Kipper sent Amber a message blaming Amber for Ayo going over to Johnny's house, which then caused Johnny to be so sleep deprived that he missed his appointments the next day. Now, Amber wrote a message in response, and since this was written prior to Ayo's transition, I'm just gonna change all of the pronouns that Amber uses to he, him pronouns, even though Johnny couldn't be bothered to respect Ayo's identity on the stand. Who, who, who had identified as a, as a, she was born a female, if that's the right terminology these days, born a female, but she was, um, she, she, she had chosen, um, Bigot. She, at a very young age, she had decided that. Decided chosen? Oh my God. Was a, she was a male and she identified as a male. Cancel him twice. I always seem to be again. Uh... <laughs> but Amber wrote, David, you once told me that no one was to blame for Johnny's behavior or decisions other than Johnny. And I have to say that if Johnny stays up or was too drunk slash messed up to engage in his appointment this morning, then it's Johnny's fault only. 
Io took it upon himself to go there. I did not ask him to go. He went in a moment of fear for me because he has never seen me so upset or lost. As he explained to me this morning, I did not ask him to go, and frankly, I was too upset last night to try to stop him, our sober, mutual friend, from getting clarity on how to best understand the situation. I couldn't stop him, and frankly, I barely registered that he left to go there, as I was being talked down from a panic attack on the floor of my bathroom. He did not keep him up or make him drink nor did I. In fact, he and the other two people there were trying to calm him down and talk him into sleep for hours. I have respected your advice to leave him alone, completely. I haven't even texted him, and have trusted your care and direction despite how confusing and scary it is at times. Last night when we spoke, I was upset primarily because I had expectations to get some clarity on what was going on, what the plan was, set boundaries, abandon them, etc., what your perspective was, complete relapse, move on, but felt I was being shut down and out. I continue to feel alienated and confused, on top of having the man I love fall into relapse. So of course I was upset, but no excuse for allowing it to somehow upset you too. All right, and then March 23rd, 2015, Amber discovers some text messages between Johnny and someone named Rochelle. That of course ignites a physical fight between Amber and Johnny, this time on top of a staircase, which Amber's sister Whitney tries to get into the middle of. Now while all three were at the top of this staircase, Amber admits to assaulting Johnny because she says she was worried Johnny was going to push Whitney down the stairs after hearing a rumor that he had done the same thing to Kate Moss. Whitney has corroborated Amber's version of events. The sisters also claim that after the fight, Johnny went into the penthouse and destroyed a lot of Amber's clothing. Whitney took photos of that at the time. She sent it to Kevin Murphy, Johnny's estate manager. Whitney also claimed that after the incident, Johnny asked her to sign an NDA, which she refused. The only people who have contradicted Amber and Whitney's claims are the two people that were there that day that are still on Johnny's payroll. And their stories are also littered with contradictions contradictions, especially that of Debbie Lloyd, Johnny's nurse. So in court, Debbie claimed that Amber was the aggressor in the situation and that she was the only person who was violent, not Johnny. However, the day of, she sent Stephen Duders a text message that said, Bad night last night, they got into it and it got violent again. I had to separate them. He took his meds and went to bed, but then she found the text to Rochelle and all hell broke loose. He had Travis get me back there around four. Good thing he called or they would have hurt each other. We had to physically restrain both of them. Shortly after that, Amber contacts Dr. Amy Banks to act as a couples therapist for her and Johnny. Dr. Banks briefly treated them from April 22nd to May 6th of 2015. Dr. Banks later stated, my understanding was that Heard was in a relationship with Johnny Depp and that it had gotten violent and out of control. I think she loved him deeply and when things were going well, they had an incredibly deep and resonant relationship. And when violence would happen, it would escalate quickly and pretty extensively. And I think she felt she couldn't do that anymore. I would say she was engaged. I would say she was very sad at times, you know, very concerned about the relationship. I think she worried that it was ending or that she couldn't do it anymore. Scared at the escalating violence, but also very concerned about Mr. Depp and was there anything to do to help him. When I was talking both with him and with the two of them together, they both acknowledged the violence. And again, Amber would acknowledge that when it would start, she would fight back. It was clear to me that it was a violent relationship. What I can tell you without a doubt is that Amber Heard told me that Johnny Depp was involved in violence with her when he was using substances particularly and that she would fight back. 
and those statements were made also in front of Mr. Depp without anybody contradicting them. July 27, 2015, we have the train incident. The following day, Amber wrote a diary entry that said, Last night was particularly bad. We finally fell asleep with one another smashed together in desperate childlike anger. Fear and love finally succumbing to exhaustion and ultimately unavoidable futility. Our fight was terrible. Jay finally at one point found himself with his shirt wrapped around my neck. Amazing to think about the precision slash coordination that required considering the circumstances. He hit me several times. I don't even know how I wound up with this huge, rather annoying knot on the back of my head. I hate that I allow it to by never using that as a line for which I stand my ground. Where are my cones? Do I have any left? Now Johnny, of course, would go on to claim that it was Amber who was violent with him on that trip. He provided photos with his alleged injuries, though the photos have pretty clearly gone through a filter. Amber's team provided a photo where Johnny's injuries were a little less visible, and so of course Johnny accused Amber's team of editing those photos that they submitted, but back in August of 2015, the train company themselves posted the exact same photo that Amber submitted to the court. What's more is that there are photos of Johnny with fans in Thailand that were taken three days before the incident where he seems to have the exact same injuries. August 19th, 2015, Dr. Cowan wrote in his notes that he had encouraged Amber to be more transparent with Johnny because she had a movie coming up where she was gonna have to do some scenes with an actor that Dr. Cowan says Johnny felt threatened by. And normally Amber's MO was to just hide information like that from Johnny because she knew how he would react to that information. And Dr. Cowan encouraged her to try to be a little more transparent and tell him about that stuff before he finds out about it. Later that day, Amber sent Dr. Cowan a text message that said, It didn't work. The conversation went south because he drove it there. And no matter how hard I worked to keep calm, which I did a good job of externally, I didn't yell or raise my voice or act angry, call names, throw insults, nothing. I didn't engage. I didn't take the bait. And after an hour of silence on the couch and him asking what was wrong with me, I just said, I want you to be happy, which led to the conversation, which obviously what the whole thing slash non-thing was about, and it just didn't work. He kept insinuating things, throwing jabs, insults, and then I would calmly say, yes, calmly say, that I was being hurt by some of the things he was saying, help me interpret it differently. It inevitably ended up being hostility, threats, more insults, and de-defense. I literally put up with it for two hours, didn't crack didn't get mad externally, and nothing worked. He was just hostile, angry, mean, and insulting, and then walked away to go to bed. So now I am pacing in my closet room, vibrating and crying on what to do or how it could go wrong. I didn't chase or yell or fight or do anything I normally give into doing, yet I feel terrible. August 29th, 2015, Johnny sent an email to his agent saying that he was going to ruin producers of the film London Fields if footage of his was not removed from the film along with any of Amber's filmed nudity. Then on September 26th, we have two audio recordings that I believe happened on the same day, but I'm not entirely sure. They definitely seem to happen somewhat close to one another. It's mostly just the same back and forth between the couple as usual, but there is something that happens in these recordings that ended up being like a big part of the trial and a big part of the campaign against Amber. I said to Travis, I said, no, I said to you, hey, tell Travis what just happened. You oh, you told me to do it. You yeah. told me to. You said, go do that. I said, no, tell him what just happened. And I lied. And that you punched me in the You're fucking right. thing. And you, you figured it all out. And you said, no, fuck it. I didn't. What the fuck? 
talking about. And I, I watched punch you lie. And then I, I didn't I punch you, by the I, way. You, I'm sorry that I didn't uh, uh, hit you across the face in a proper slap, but I was hitting you. It was not punching you. Babe, you're not punched. Don't tell me what it feels like to be punched. You, you know, you've been in a lot of fights. You've been around a long time. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, when you fucking have a close You face. didn't get punched. You got hit. I'm sorry I hit you like this, but I did not punch you. I did not fucking deck you. I fucking was hitting you. I don't know what the motion of my actual hand was, but you're fine. I did not hurt you. I did not punch you. I was hitting you. How are you? How, what am I supposed to do? Do this? I, I'm not sitting here bitching about it, am I? You are. That's the difference between me and you. You're a fucking baby. You are such a baby! Grow the fuck up, you Johnny! Did physical fights? I did start a physical fight. Yeah, you did, so I had because, to get the fuck out of there. Yes, you did. So you did the right thing, the big thing. The, you know what? You are admirable. Now, I don't believe that the full audio recording has ever been made public. There's definitely some editing here, especially with the second clip. It's only like two minutes and 45 seconds long, and it's certainly chopped from something larger. But while we might not have the full recording, we do have a transcript from the recording, which can be found in the unsealed documents from the Fairfax trial. And the rest of that recording seems to add quite a lot of necessary context to what the jury and the rest of the public heard. So the incident in question where Amber admits to hitting Johnny but not punching him seems to have taken place outside of a bathroom door. So Amber is standing on one side of the door, Johnny opens the door, and as he opens it, it scrapes the top of Amber's toes, causing her to push the door back into Johnny's head and then hit him. Now she admits to hitting him, but in the rest of this recording, she talks about why. She said, I hit you, yes, after I felt like that barrier was broken down. When the door slammed on my foot, I went, oh shit, it's going down. I reacted to the pain. The fucking door caught me. And I thought, he's getting violent. I thought we were going there in my head. We've been there before and I reacted. Last night, the last three fights all in Toronto, I didn't react, and I felt fucked over, royally fucked over. No one was in more pain than me for that entire week following, because I heard everything that you just cannot imagine to somebody and I didn't react. I didn't stoop to that level. I didn't call you names. I didn't tell you I didn't love you. I didn't do any of that shit, and I suffered for it. So I have learned, probably in a bad way, that it doesn't do any good when you take the high road, and you're the only one doing it. You get hurt more. And so I feel like that didn't work. I really tried hard in Toronto. I walked away with all the fucking bruises. And the second I felt physical pain, it just went in my brain went something different than the emotional pain. And I went, shit, this is going down. And I don't know. I did not mean to hit the, like, cause the door to hit you. I did mean to hit you with my fist or hand. I didn't mean to punch you. I meant to hit you. I'm sorry I didn't open my hand. I'm actually sorry I did it at all. I should never do that. I should never get physical. But in my defense, I felt that pain. I went, this is physical, and I just thought we were going there. And I didn't last time. I got hurt more for it. My brain just went there, just clicked, and I should have controlled it better. It's my fault. Then in October of 2015, Amber and Johnny decide to see a different couples therapist, this time Dr. Laurel Anderson. And Dr. Anderson is kind of where we get the mutual abuse thing in the trial. She said that Amber hits Johnny back out of pride, and sometimes she starts fights herself. Now whether or not mutual abuse even exists is one conversation, but specifically in this case, I definitely don't think that applies. 
especially as we get into our next fight. So this took place on December 15th, 2015. Amber has described it as one of the worst nights of their relationship. Amber said that she told Johnny if he ever touched her again, she was going to call the police. I don't know if that's what actually started the fight or if that was happening somewhere after the fight was started for a different reason, I'm not quite sure. But what allegedly happened during this argument is that according to Amber, Johnny grabbed her by the throat, pushed her to the ground, punched the back of her head, pulled her by her hair, slapped her in the face, and started screaming, I will fucking kill you. Johnny then headbutted her, hitting her nose with his forehead. Amber was worried she had a concussion. She saw a doctor who informed her she didn't have a concussion, but she did suffer headaches for about a week after the assault. Now, it's somewhat important to note that while Amber said that she kind of felt like her nose might be broken immediately after Johnny headbutted her, she didn't then later claim that her nose was broken. It just hurt, you know, like in the moment. And that's important to point out because the next night Amber would appear on The Late Late Show with James Corden, where a whole bunch of people will point to her appearance on that show and be like, see, she didn't have a broken nose, she's a liar. And that's a fun little thing that people like to do to undercut Amber's story. They exaggerate the injuries she claimed to have and then say that she couldn't possibly have injuries that were that severe, even though Amber herself never claimed to. What she did claim was that she felt like she might have a concussion, so she went to the doctor, which there is record of her doing, and she was told to take some sort of like Tylenol or something for her headaches. That did happen, there's record of it. She also claimed that Johnny wrote, why be a fraud, all is such bullshit in gold pen on their kitchen counter which we have photos of. We also have photos of the broken bed frame that Amber said Johnny caused. We have photos of the chunk of hair that Amber said Johnny pulled out of her head. We have photos from the top of her head where clearly someone was pulling hair out of it. We also have photos of the injuries to Amber's face. And we have photos of the injuries to Johnny's face, though I'll be honest, I don't know where those injuries are. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at in these photos. And in addition to all of that, we have witness statements. Amber's friend Rocky said she saw the injuries. While she was getting ready for the James Corden interview, a hairstylist who was working with Amber specifically told her not to move her hair too much during the interview because he had moved it in a way so that the clump of hair that was pulled out of her wouldn't be so visible. Amber's friend Melanie, who is a makeup artist, used makeup to cover up the bruises, which she testifies to have seen. Melanie also said that Amber told her when she got there that Johnny had tried to suffocate her with a pillow. Dr. Anderson visited Amber in person on December 17th and said that she saw some of Amber's injuries. Notes from Erin, Amber's nurse at the time, wrote, Client contacts RN via phone and states she had an argument with husband JD previous night. Client states husband JD has left home and she is unaware of his location. Client reports getting into verbal disagreement with husband at their home in downtown LA. She states husband JD was inebriated. CT states the disagreement escalated and states husband JD used his forehead to hit her head. Client denies loss of consciousness, states she has a headache and bruised eye. She wrote in her notes, Amber had visible bright red blood appearing at center of lower lip. When RN made client aware that she was actively bleeding from her lip, Amber stated that it was from an injury she sustained in the argument between her and her husband and that it continues to bleed actively. And of course, Amber texted people that night too. She said to Dr. Cowan, Johnny did a number on me tonight. I'm safe with my support tonight, but I need some real help. 
Can I come tomorrow? I called earlier because I thought I had a concussion and didn't know if I should have called the police. Dr. Cowan wrote in his notes, Some spark ignited an argument that escalated and got violent. Shoving and screaming. Amber related that he started the physicality, pushed her down. Amber got back up. Hard for her to de-escalate a fight. Her strategy, despite our conversations, is to try and fight back. Not protective of self and very self-defeating. The next day, she texted Dr. Cowan and said, Johnny beat me up pretty good last night. He's using again. She also sent messages to her agent and her publicist saying that she had an accident, telling them, I'm really bruised and might have a black eye or two tomorrow. To her friend Ayo, she wrote, I need you. Jay beat me up pretty good. Brock's on the couch with me. When are you back? I'm hurt. Don't know what to do. Need you. After her interview on James Corden aired, her nurse Erin sent Amber a text saying, Just finished watching your appearance last night. I had recorded it. You looked and sounded great, and honestly, nothing looked wrong at all. Amber responded, That's a miracle. Hey, I have had a headache basically for the last couple of days. My head is still really bruised. I still feel a lot of welts on it. I called Kipper's office and Lisa said he was away until tomorrow but that Monroe could look at me. Do you think I should go and get checked out by him? Now, Monroe Tinker is the doctor that Amber saw who gave her some like Tylenol or something for her headache. I'm not gonna go into his notes or his testimony right now because this video is already long enough, but the transcript from his deposition is online and it's interesting. Then on December 20th, Amber texted Dr. Cowan and said that she didn't feel strong enough to leave Johnny yet. Around the same time, she had a whole last conversation with Rocky. Amber said, I'll let you know, I'm texting with him right now about what's best. Talk when he gets here versus when he's leaving. I hate that I wish he wasn't leaving. I feel abandoned by someone who should be crawling back to apologize to me. I feel so ashamed. Rocky, you have nothing to be ashamed about, nothing. Amber, I said, you headbutted me, and his response, I gave you a little knock with my head, and then left the room after saying what a fuck up he was and such, fucking feeling sorry for himself. Poor him. Can't take any responsibility. Rocky, does that make it a little easier? Amber, just like Josh said, he doesn't know how. Amber, he's crying, now playing the sorry I fucked up and am so fucked up card. Rocky, yes, because he's losing you for real, because he knows you mean it. This means you are communicating clearly. Keep going. Do not let him stay there tonight. Speak from strength, not from desperation. Listen to what your gut says will serve your strength. Now, despite all that, Amber decided to go to the Bahamas with him. So end of December, they go to the Bahamas. Everything is fine for most of the trip until the last day. Dr. Anderson's notes say, didn't fight on island till last day on island, started to get into something. He got aggressive, threatening, didn't touch him, she hid in the bathroom, threw a can at him. This whole can thing will come up multiple times after this, and this is like the really, really shitty thing about mutual abuse or Darvo. Amber has claimed that during this incident, Johnny at one point had his hands around her neck and was threatening to kill her. She threw a can at him while trying to hide in a bathroom to get away from him. The mere fact that Amber would respond to violence with violence is not evidence that this was a mutually toxic relationship. On December 31st, after this fight where she threw a can at him, how dare she, Amber wrote to Aaron, he was doing shots last night, which is a first in a very long time, maybe since Australia. Anyways, that plus finding all that coke last week, makes me really understand that is really what the fighting is about. It's been so bad lately, and I've just been blaming myself so much. But with the use, it's unsurprising. It's no coincidence, I can say that. 
Anyway, we're still on the island. He got really fucked up last night and it was a mess. Going into January of 2016, we have some more audio recordings. So on January 4th, there are some notable moments. Amber talks about how she's louder in arguments, which kind of makes her seem like the bad one in the relationship. My 16-year-old daughter just, heard you just, saying shit what, I'm, that she would rather I'm not louder. hear. By the way, because I'm louder. Okay, whatever. By the way, my family, my friends, everyone screaming. around me saw all the bruises and broken uh, broken blood vessel under my eye, the bruises on my head, the missing chunks of hair, the split lip, the black eye, the swollen nose, all that shit, because you're stronger. It does not mean, it does not mean because they heard me that I'm somehow more responsible. It just means they heard me because I yell in a fight. You do provoke. I yell. It doesn't mean I'm more responsible or badder. However, I am exposed via that. The distance of between Cafe Cabronas and the house is significant, and I know, I know that that does not mean that they got an accurate representation of our fight. Johnny brings up the fact that Amber threw a can at him. Maybe but I should you, show, maybe I should show but, him right. this but and you, this. That's true. You from can do, the mineral spirits. You can do whatever you want. Uh, uh, you can do whatever. Can that you you threw can do whatever. Face. Then there's an audio recording from sometime in the beginning of 2016, maybe still in January, but maybe in like February or something. I'm not sure. But this is definitely one of the most annoying and saddest arguments the couple had to me. What makes it annoying is that Johnny is picking a fight with Amber for like the most petty of reasons, to the point where I can't really even tell what he's trying to argue with her about. It has something to do with she asked him if he was going to make going to counseling a priority and he didn't like the way that she phrased it. You asked if it was a priority to me. I said it was. And you said, okay, then we have to make a, you gotta get this, you gotta do the appointments, you gotta make this work, you gotta, you know, whatever. You gotta take the time, your whole day is not taken up by these other things, when in fact there is a large amount of my day taken up by these various things that are going on within the next week or so. And no doubt. Yeah, I know. And I know you're busy. And I so... I'm just, that's why I, I asked if you were gonna make it a priority in that sense that... You didn't I ask if I was gonna make it a priority. You asked if it was a priority. And then he is just such a dick to her throughout this recording. I think you have control issues and I don't know I don't want you to... You can't, can't control every situation in not just your life, but your husband's life. Everything moves exactly at your pace or exactly at your time or this has to happen or I don't like it. Or you've got control issues and, that, and, I've, and they are upsetting at times. Really, really something that needs to be dealt with. You know? Sorry. I thought I was asking you if you were going to um, make time for something that directly uh, affects our lives. And I thought I was doing so because uh, and I had a lot of uh, other things to think about and you might have forgotten it. But you of all people, um, you, said you, 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 you don't want to feel judged. You of all people have such a sensitivity to that. You don't want to feel judged. No, judged, no, it's no about prejudging. You don't want to be, what I'm trying to say, please, is that you have such a sensitivity to being judged that I think you of all people should know how terrible it makes me feel when you judge me and call me a control freak or say I have issues. 
I didn't call you control figure, I said you have control issues. Okay. You want to control things, you want to control everything. This is not new information for you. So Come this on. is something, I just want to point out that you, I just want to point out that you, um, you don't, you have a real, you have a real problem with being called names or, 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 or being judged. So you of all people should know how terrible it makes me feel how you're doing that to me right now. Talk to anyone, Amber, come on. I, 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 I do, I speak to a lot of people. You're the only one telling me that I have control issues right now and that you're the person I'm speaking to now. That's why I'm telling you how what you're saying makes me feel. Other people aren't helping you. I'm right sorry, now. I'm sorry that it makes you feel. You don't like being judged and you're asking me not to judge you with the thinnest sensitivity, thinnest skin, most sensitivity of anybody I've ever met in my whole life. And yet, you sit here and, and, and hurl judgments towards me about my issues because I asked you if you, you were going to make this a priority. You have control issues, Amber. Again, you're just repeating the thing that I'm telling you but is you making me... Know that. You are Again, that. you're repeating the thing that I'm telling you is making me feel bad. So you repeating it it's not news to you. You're not going to pretend Again, like this has never come up in your life You're just reiterating the thing that I'm telling. I'm not arguing with you, am I? I'm telling you what you're saying to me is bad. It makes me feel bad, and you of all people Okay, what you're saying know. to me feels bad. What, by telling you that you're hurting me? No, no doubt. Earlier. That's all I'm telling. All I asked you is if you're going to make it a priority, and that has given you full, uh, license to sit here and hurl insults at me? You didn't ask me if I was going to make it a priority. I did. You asked me if it was a priority. Yes, that's asking you if you're going to make to it. To me. That's no, exactly... No, not if you're going to make it one. How are they different? Exactly. If you have a priority, you have a priority. If you have a priority, you don't have to make it a priority. Because it's a priority already. Midway through the recording, Johnny just falls asleep. And if you listen to every minute of these hours upon hours of audio, Johnny Depp falls asleep constantly. Like just mid-conversation sometimes. This idea that Amber was exaggerating his drug use just to nag him and start fights is so ridiculous. He is constantly going in and out of consciousness because he's doing so many drugs all the time. Either that or he just has like narcolepsy or something, but I feel like if that were the case we would have heard about it in his like decades of being an actor. There's this part in this recording too where Johnny falls asleep with the TV playing in the background and it's playing this like true crime thing that seems to be about a man who probably killed his wife. As David Ditto's murder trial begins, prosecutor Claudine Ruiz wants the jury to focus in on the horrifying details of her version of this case. She scratched at him with both hands but he pinned her arms back and he restrained her with his body. Then he slammed the back of her head and her head started bleeding. And there's a part of the recording where Amber comes in and reacts to it. If you were on the jury, what would you think of David Ditto's emotional testimony? Chat now on Facebook and Twitter. Shit. What? Bullshit, his testimony. Um... That dude? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, you like couldn't write that in a movie. Or you could, 
but it would be like way too on the nose. Anyway, the reason this is the saddest recording to me is because towards the end, Amber comes back into the room. She leaves the room multiple times. I, I think she's supposed to be leaving the house, but then just keeps not doing that and keeps coming back and engaging with Johnny Moore either to argue with him again or to try to make up and try to get past whatever it is. And sometimes listening to it, I literally just want to like physically pull her out of the room. But at the end of the recording, Amber comes back into the room and they have this interaction. Just tell me, is it about your mom? Is this something I'm missing that I should know? No, I don't know what it's about. It's, I don't know. It's not that. It's not something I'm missing. Like I should be more understanding as a human kind and as a wife. That you're going through that? Are you going through something right now? Is that it? That, or is that not at all it? Because I don't know if I'm being shitty and not being, and just taking it. I, of course, I, I'm going through a lot with my mom. I'm sorry, I don't... It is coming out in your ways, you know? It's hard to tell. If I were you, I'd probably be freaking out, too, but, you know, if I did weird things that made you feel less than loved all the time, every time we spoke, you know, I was impatient and tyrannical and judgmental of you, I would, every single time, you would go crazy at some point, too. I wouldn't want to be left, no matter what my behavior, if my mom was in the hospital, my dad. Don't stay with me for that, please. Uh, that's, I love you, that's why I'm with you. I'm saying put with, by not interpreting the signs that tell me coherently that you don't want to be with me anymore. Then we have another recording from a different day, but probably around the same time. It starts with the two of them arguing. Then Johnny falls asleep because of course he does. They exchange insults back and forth. This is the famous suck my dick audio. And I think it's worth pointing out here that the stuff Amber says is mean, but it's also just really general insults, like basic, basic stuff that's not super personal. She calls him an arrogant dickhead, a cocksucker. She tells him to suck her dick. It's not nice but it's something you could say to basically anyone. Johnny's insults, however, are very obviously gendered and personal. I don't need you. I don't want Suck your kind of woman. Dick. I don't want your kind of woman. Suck my dick. I don't want your kind of woman. Suck my dick. You're the biggest baby fucking You're the biggest. Figure out what you have to <laughs> offer as opposed to going out and getting your tits out. You're right. That's what I do. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's stripping. Yeah. Well, there's always well, that. You can always right, go back You can to write that. a book. So the fighting gets really intense. They're both not being very nice to each other. It's upsetting. I don't like it. But then Amber leaves the room, comes back again. Johnny's asleep, of course. And we have this very, very weird interaction.
Turn. Turn, are you okay? You okay? James Dean, I mean James Brown, gets pulled off the stage. Who? James uh, uh, Dean. Uh, you said James Dean. Yeah, no, James Dean is up there too. But you said James Brown, also. Well, gets booed off the stage. You said. The, the, you said James Dean, James Brown gets no, no. booed off the stage. No, no. J- j- the, the James Brown thing, what they've done is they've, they've kind of made it into a, 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 what do you call it, a fucking thing. So we go, there's three stages, we go up and play the three stages. You go play three stages? No, we go up, we're introduced from the middle one, we go on whatever one we're on, we play the gig. Do you play for James Dean? Is that what you said? You played the middle one? I said James Dean when I corrected it. It's James Brown. To James Brown. You don't play for James Brown, though. Hmm? I don't think you're playing for James Brown, are you? You never know. You never know? Well, no, I'm desperate at this point, you know. Okay. You know that. It's not really making a lot of sense. You know, I love you. What a funny way of showing it. So do you. You know you're not clicking anything, right? What? You know you're not doing anything on your phone? No, I'm just looking. I'm looking almost there. Nothing. You're not looking at anything. It's not. Nothing's happening. You're just doing that to a blank phone. Well, because it's recording, so I gotta do that. Truly, the most upsetting thing about these audio recordings is not even in how mean they are to each other, it's in how quickly they can go from being mean, to then being nice, to then being mean again. There are moments in these recordings where I will just instinctively think, oh, it's kind of a shame they couldn't work it out. And I know I don't mean that. I know that this was a very bad, toxic situation for both of them, mostly Amber, who definitely needed to leave that relationship for her own physical safety. But if you're ever questioning why a victim like Amber wouldn't leave the relationship sooner, it's because of moments like that. Because there are these small glimmers of hope that make it seem like maybe they could work it out. Maybe Amber was right. Maybe Johnny really did just need to get sober and everything would have been fine. Now, Johnny's not ever going to do that, but I do understand why she would have felt that way. Now, by this point, the relationship is clearly ending. There are a lot of notes with Dr. Cowan where Amber is telling him that she knows she needs to leave the relationship. She just doesn't quite have the strength yet for it, but there definitely seems to be a plan in place that this is going to end soon. February 24th, we have the infamous kitchen video. This was one of the first things the public saw of the relationship after Amber filed her abuse allegations against Johnny. So it wouldn't become public until after Amber filed for divorce, 
but the video was taken in February. Now, especially compared to all the other audio recordings and such, there's nothing super shocking in the video. Johnny just like slams some kitchen cabinets, he throws stuff, he yells, he breaks some glass. Standard shit at this point for him. What's worth discussing about this video though is the mistruths that have surrounded it. So first, I've seen a lot of people claim that the video was taken right after Johnny's mother died. So under that line of reasoning, Amber was just like setting him up because she knew that he was gonna be really upset that day and she wanted to provoke him and get him doing something wild on camera. And of course he would be upset because his mother just died. Except she didn't. Again, video was taken in February. Johnny's mother died in May. There's also the claim that Amber sent this video to TMZ and that she was working with TMZ and feeding them info somehow. This theory has become especially popular because of the testimony of Morgan Tremaine during the trial. And Mr. Tremaine's testimony drives me fucking insane. He does not actually make any allegations against Amber. He just says some things that are like technically true in a very manipulative way. So for one thing, they try to use the fact that Morgan says that he he called paparazzi to the courthouse when Amber filed for her restraining order as proof that Amber was lying when she said that TMZ keeps staff within the courthouse. Something that is, by the way, absolutely true. Ms. Heard was filing a uh, restraining order at a courthouse in downtown Los Angeles. So um, I dispatched camera people to that location. How did you know? How did you know? How did you Under know? Under what circumstances how did you know? would you normally send paparazzi to the courthouse? Uh, only if we had been informed prior. It's not by any means a celebrity hotspot. Um, we would only ever send people there if we had been tipped off that something was there occurring and there was something paparazzi there regularly there. at during the time I worked there, and I worked there in There was a piece that The New Yorker published about TMZ in 2016, where they specifically said that TMZ keeps three reporters stationed full-time at the courthouse. 2016 is the year that Amber was filing for a restraining order, so literally during that time, they had three full-time reporters at the courthouse where Amber filed. The fact that Morgan had to call paparazzi to then take photos of Amber coming out of the courthouse is not evidence that she was wrong or lying. Paparazzi is different from a court reporter. What most likely happened was that the TMZ staff who was already in the courthouse saw Amber and got wind of what she was doing there and then called Morgan to bring cameras to take photos of her. That would make sense and would not have to involve Amber tipping TMZ off. Then Morgan Tremaine and Camille, Johnny's attorney, try to do this thing where they keep bringing up the copyright issue of the video that TMZ published. If we receive a tip through the tip line, um, it could take a while because that would need to be, if it was a tip, we would need to verify it. If it was media, such as photos or videos, that would need to be extensively verified to ensure that the person sending it is the copyright holder and that we would have the legal ability to air it and distribute it. That makes sense. And they're trying to make it seem like because Amber owns the copyright because she was the one that took the video, she must have given TMZ her permission to publish it. But that's not how that works. Yes, TMZ would need permission from the copyright holder before they publish just some random video, but this wasn't a random video. This was a video of two celebrities who had just filed for divorce where one of them was alleging abuse 
fighting with each other in which the person accused of abuse is being pretty obviously aggressive and violent. Meaning, the video is newsworthy content that corresponds to a story that was already public. Under freedom of the press, TMZ had a right to publish that video whether or not Amber gave them permission for it. And if you know how TMZ works at all, it is just out of the question ridiculous to think that Amber or her legal team were in cahoots with them this whole time? Or ever, for that matter? See, one of the ways that TMZ gets exclusives, other than just keeping staff at the courthouse to go through different documents and report on things before any other outlet can get to them, is that they cozy up to sources. They will be very, very nice to people that give them information that they want. So especially in any sort of dispute, the exclusives that TMZ gets, they will write in a flattering way to whoever is giving them that information. So if Amber Heard had been the one giving TMZ this information, TMZ would have been quite a lot nicer to Amber. And they were not nice. They were not nice at all. Even when Amber just filed for divorce, they were already putting a very clear spin on that story to make Johnny seem like a victim. They wrote, Amber Heard has filed for divorce from Johnny Depp, shockingly three days after Johnny's mom died. It's especially harsh because Johnny was extremely close to his mother. She says in the divorce docs that they separated on May 22nd, two days after Johnny's mom passed. As if that's not enough, Johnny's new movie, Alice Through the Looking Glass opens Friday. So just make Johnny look like a victim and also like slip in a little promo. Then once Amber was officially alleging abuse, of course TMZ got the exclusive for that and they wrote in their opening two paragraphs, Amber Heard showed up in court with a bruise on her face claiming Johnny Depp physically assaulted her and she's the victim of repeated domestic violence. And the judge issued a restraining order requiring Johnny to stay 100 yards away from her. Sources connected to Johnny are calling BS, saying Amber is an affront to real victims of domestic violence. So already they're publishing these stories by highlighting Johnny's team's response to them. Then in the last two paragraphs they write, TMZ broke the story three days after Depp's mom died, Amber filed for divorce, and one week after his mom died, she's claiming domestic violence. As for why Depp and his people are calling BS, first, she never filed a police report, and she posted Instagram pics after the alleged beating and never showed any injury. So yeah, I don't think Amber was sending TMZ shit. Now the other thing that surrounds this video is just like criticisms of Amber for secretly recording this in the first place? Marriage or any monogamous relationship is choosing a partner to take on life together. But when you feel that your partner is recording you to maybe send it to gossip magazines, it's devastating to the relationship's trust. We noticed this when Amber tried to secretly record Johnny slamming kitchen cabinets with her iPad. Despite the fact that Johnny secretly recorded Amber too. Throughout the relationship, the two of them were constantly secretly recording one another. They literally have conversations about it in the audio recordings themselves. This wasn't a one-sided betrayal that only Amber contributed to. Moreover, if you really think that Amber is a vindictive bitch for secretly recording a man who had raped her, strangled her, threatened her life, and beat her multiple times, go fuck yourself. Even if. Amber was the only person secretly recording these arguments, she had a right to. Johnny was behaving in ways that put Amber's physical safety and her life at risk. She needed some form of protection, which yeah, 
might come in the form of secretly recording her arguments, if not for anything more than just documented evidence of her abuse, which for some reason is apparently just still not good enough. So that's about it for the video discourse. Now we're gonna move on to other audio recordings. These next ones are undated, but sometime between like the February 24th video and then the end of the relationship, which is about like May. Nothing too wild in these recordings compared to what we've already heard. There is one point where Johnny just starts like puking in the recording. And if I had to hear it, then so do you. He also calls Amber a stupid fuck, tells her he hates her, just normal stuff. Skipping forward to April 21st, 2016, we have Amber's birthday party. Happy birthday, Amber. So apparently this fight started because Johnny was late to her party. Amber was pissed off about it. After the guest left her party, it escalated into a physical fight, prompting Johnny to leave the house. And then Amber went to Coachella with her friends for a couple days after that, the next day. So the fight itself happened in private. We're never really gonna know what happened there, but there are a couple interesting things about this one. So for one thing, Johnny claimed that Amber was the one to initiate the fight, and he submitted photos in the UK of his injuries. By that I'm assuming he's referring to the dark spot on his cheek. And like, okay, I don't think that that injury is very significant, but you know, it takes a lot for some injuries to actually show up on someone's face. It doesn't mean that there wasn't some sort of violence inflicted onto him. That's fine, that's whatever. But that photo is not from that incident. Metadata shows that it was actually from March 23rd, 2015, so a whole ass year and one month prior. The same day as the staircase incident where Amber admits assaulting Johnny to try to protect her sister. The second interesting thing is that Amber went to Coachella with her friends afterward. That doesn't seem that weird right now, but put a pin in it. And then the third is that this fight is what leads into the accusation that Amber pooped in Johnny's bed, earning her the name Amber Turd. Like he like lost his career and she, I guess, is lying. I don't, I don't really know, right? But she, the whole she, thing that anyone yeah. can focus on is the fact that she shit in his fucking bed. Yeah. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are going through a really <laughs> messy divorce, as many of you probably have heard. It's making big headlines. And one of the stories is that Amber Heard apparently used to take big steamy dumps in their bed. Amber Heard. Also known around these parts as Amber Turd. We just don't like you, Amber. That's one of them? That is one of them. And the last one was Amber Turd, right? <laughs> that, is an, that is another one. Okay. So like I said, Johnny had already left the property the night of the fight. He went to one of his other, like, 11 properties. Amber then went to Coachella, and the poop was found by Hilda Vargas, who was Johnny's housekeeper. Hilda sent a photo of the poop to Kevin Murphy, Kevin then texted Sean Bett, one of Johnny's bodyguards. Sean then told Johnny about it, and Johnny was pissed. Now, Amber claims that she did not poop in the bed, because why would she? It was also her bed, and Johnny had left that house the night before. Literally, what would her motive have been? Johnny was not going to find the poop, and again, this was her bed. What Amber said happened was that their dog, Boo, pooped in the bed. Boo, who had known issues with controlling her bowel movements and who was constantly just pooping places. 
On October 11th, 2013, Johnny texted his assistant Steven and said, Will you squat in front of the door of the master bedroom and leave a giant coil of dookie so that Amber steps in it and thinks that one of the dogs, primarily Boo, has a major problem? It'll be funny. Then October 29th, 2014, Amber texted Kevin Murphy saying, Last night she shit on Johnny while he was sleeping. Like all over him, not exaggerating. The she in this case is Boo. So not only was the dog already known for having very poor body owl control, she's pooped in their bed before. So all this shit about like, the bed was too high for the dog to get up there. Dogs can be picked up. What I imagine happened was that she was already sleeping in the bed with Amber, and before Amber could notice, she pooped on the bed and then got down. The most convincing evidence that Amber somehow planned this, or that she herself pooped in the bed, is that Kevin Murphy told Johnny that Amber told him that it was just a prank. But once Johnny confronted Amber with Kevin Murphy's claim that she did it as a prank, Amber and Kevin had a whole back and forth via text, where Amber wrote, I am shocked. What have I ever done to you? How could you say that? I never expected such a thing from you. I never told you I had anything to do with it. I never said anything like that to you. And you know it. I just can't understand what you have against me that would make you lie against me in such a way. I don't understand, Kevin. I really don't. Kevin responded, Look, first of all, I did not even go directly to Jay about our conversation. He was told by someone else, and then he questioned me days later, so I had to answer. I had no knowledge of any of yours and Jay's conversations about the incident, so it doesn't even make sense for me to just make something up. Furthermore, at the time, I didn't even think it was a big deal that it was being described as a prank. If I was going to fabricate something, it would certainly be better than that. I merely answered his questions without any malice or intention of hurting you or him for that matter. Amber said, You literally told Johnny in front of me that I told you it was a prank, and now you want to explain? How could you? That was a complete lie, and you know it. You cannot look me in the eye and tell me we had that conversation. I can't believe you. What did I ever do to you? What's extra interesting about these claims, though, is that actually, in the original allegations against Amber, Johnny wasn't accusing Amber of pooping in the bed. Johnny was accusing Amber of having her friend Ayo poop in the bed. Johnny also told Amber at one point that he was going to have the poop tested to see if it was human. Either he never got that testing done, or he did, and he didn't like the results, and he didn't tell anybody about it. Either way, there is no logical reason to think that Amber Heard pooped in her own bed. It was most likely the dog known for pooping in beds. Now after that, Johnny's mom dies on May 20th, 2016. The following evening, Amber and Johnny have their final physical fight. Johnny came to the penthouse that Amber had been staying in. He said he needed to get a few things because he was going on tour with his band. But when Johnny arrived, Amber said that he was drunk, high, and angry. Specifically angry about the prank. That's when Amber called Kevin Murphy to confront him, and then they had that whole text exchange that I just read a minute ago. They continued to argue. Amber said she started to get worried for her safety, so she texted Rocky and said that she might need her to come over because Rocky was staying in one of the penthouses next door. Then, Johnny wanted to confront Ayo, so Amber called Ayo, put him on speakerphone. Ayo called the accusation ridiculous, and then when he and Amber started laughing at Johnny, because why wouldn't they laugh at Johnny for thinking something so fucking stupid, Johnny got really 
getting mad, started insulting Ayo, threw the phone on the ground, ran upstairs, and then while Amber and Ayo were still talking to each other, Johnny came back down, super angry still. He then grabbed the phone, threw it at Amber's face, allegedly, but also Johnny does kind of admit to doing that. We'll talk about that in a second. Then he grabbed Amber by the hair. Amber told Ayo to call 911 because he was still on the phone. Ayo did do that. Shortly after Rocky arrived, she tried to get between Amber and Johnny. Johnny, I guess, grabbed Rocky and started yelling at her and Amber. Johnny then grabbed a bottle of wine, took some swigs out of it, damaged the apartment in a few ways, damaged another penthouse that was next door that he also owned. Then Rocky's fiance at the time, Josh Drew, came onto the scene along with, I guess, their friend, Elizabeth. Josh at one point said he even confronted Johnny's bodyguards and asked why they didn't do anything about the fact that Johnny was beating the shit out of Amber, to which they basically said like, it's none of our business. Then around 9 p.m., two police officers show up on scene. They talk to Amber for a little bit. They leave. Amber says she didn't really give a statement to the police officers because she didn't want any of it to be leaked to the media. Then around 10.28, a different pair of police officers arrive, this time wearing body cams. Same thing, Amber says that she doesn't want to make a statement. They walk around for a minute, they leave. Now there are multiple witnesses backing up Amber's story. Rocky, Josh, Ayo, Elizabeth, and then later Whitney too, who says that she saw Amber's injuries the next day. Amber also told Dr. Anderson about the fight. The only information that contradicts Amber's story is testimonies from like a couple random witnesses who said that they didn't see any of Amber's alleged injuries, but also these are just like people that worked in the apartment building that they were in, not people who were intimately involved in Amber's life. So. I would have to assume that Amber was in fact wearing makeup whenever she left the apartment during that week. The injuries were pretty bad, but not anything that couldn't be covered up with some decent foundation. And I don't know if you've ever been a woman with a very, very visible bruise on your face, but it's not really fun to walk around in public like that. People make assumptions and they would definitely make assumptions if you're Amber Heard and you are famous and married to a very famous person. So yeah, Amber saying that she was wearing makeup every time she went out after that incident isn't weird. It makes a lot of sense. And all the people that will say she didn't look like she was wearing makeup how the fuck would you know? Makeup that's done really well to look really subtle can be pretty unnoticeable, especially for Amber who multiple people have said that she had very, very naturally good skin. So like, even if you're used to seeing Amber's face and you know what it looks like with or without makeup, if she's wearing makeup that's really subtle, you probably can't tell the difference if that's how her skin looked all the time. And there are photos from her injuries from that day. Injuries that would have been way, way harder to make with makeup, especially because she takes photos over the course of multiple days so you can see the progression of these bruises. If she was being that delicate and that smart about having her makeup done in such a particular way to have it develop over time in the exact way that a bruise would develop, then she is like an expert craftsman. And I'm sorry, all love to Amber, She's not that calculated. If she was, she would have made some very different decisions. The only other piece of evidence that's even slightly compelling that points to Amber lying about these events is the testimony of two people that gave witness statements on Johnny's behalf who also happen to be two people 
on Johnny's payroll. And considering we already know that Johnny has been accused of paying his own employees hush money to get them to be quiet about certain things, I find it a little hard to take their statements all that seriously. Now the dumbest piece of evidence in Johnny's favor that does not hold up whatsoever is the testimony of the first pair of police officers on the scene along with the body cam of the second pair of police officers. So the first officers testified in court as witnesses for Johnny. They say that they didn't see any injuries on Amber and they didn't see any of the damage in the apartment from that night, but they also didn't take any contemporaneous notes when they were at the scene, nor did they know upon arrival whose house they were in. They didn't know that they were talking to Amber Heard or that she was married to Johnny Depp. And in their initial statements in the UK trial, they told the judge that they were at the apartment for approximately 30 to 60 minutes total. However, security footage from the night showed that they had only been at the apartment for about 15 minutes. So the testimony that they gave in 2022 was based off of their memory of an event that happened six years prior that they took no notes for, that they were already wrong about how long they had even been in the apartment, and that they didn't realize had anything to do with a celebrity at the time. What impression could that night have left on them, really? Then there's the body cam footage from the second pair of police officers. And the argument for this one is that the body cam footage doesn't show a lot of the damage that was captured in Josh Drew's photos from that night. Now, Amber has claimed that her and her friends cleaned up the mess pretty quickly after they took those photos because they were worried that Amber's dog was gonna step on glass. Security footage from that night shows the officers arriving around 10.28, while the metadata from the photos that Josh took show that those photos were timestamped between 9.25 and 9.31 p.m. The first pair of officers left the scene at 9.19. If we assume that the first pair of officers were correct when they said that there was no damage in the apartment, and we go along with Johnny's theory that Amber and her friends staged the entire event and messed things up in the apartment just so they could take those photos, they had to create all that damage between 9.19 and 9.25, six minutes to stage an entire crime scene. Then, six minutes to take all the photos just to have everything cleaned up by 10.28. And if Amber really wanted to frame Johnny so much, why didn't she give a statement to either pair of police officers? Why did she clean up the mess at all? If her and Josh and Rocky had set it all up, leave it there, and when the second pair arrives, tell them that Johnny did all that shit. Maybe Johnny's version of events just doesn't make any sense. And then again, after the fight, we have more text messages that Amber sent to other people. Amber said to Melanie, Johnny came over to talk. His mom just died, then he went sideways. Convinced of some crazy shit, beat on me, cops were called, they just left, filing a restraining order. Divorce goes through on Monday. My face looks stupid. Bad night. She also sent a photo of her injuries to her parents and said, I think I'm done being there for Johnny. Wouldn't you agree, mom and dad? She put mom and dad in quotes. Then the following day, Amber has a conversation with her parents where she writes, I didn't even raise my voice to him, let alone a finger. I called 911. Rocky rushed in because she heard me screaming. I called him again and said I was ready to talk. He was fucked up and delusional, claiming some ridiculous shit I had no clue of or how to make sense of. Then he started hitting me with the phone and threw me down and hit me in the head. That's when Rocky and Josh rushed in. Cops came right after he split. That's all you need to know. 
If you text him or involve yourself anymore in his life, I will never speak to you guys again. Dad, either you understand that and respect that, or you don't. But if you go against my wishes, I will never speak to you again. It took 20 minutes. He was crazy. I didn't even yell. More or less raise a finger to him, which shouldn't matter regardless. I am half his size. I have to file a restraining order and then official divorce on Monday. Amber then texts Josh the next day and asks him and Rocky to write a witness statement for her restraining order. Io texted her and said, Are you okay? Did he get arrested? Are you taking out a restraining order? Amber, yes, restraining order. They didn't arrest him because I didn't make a statement. Io, good. That's gonna be the only thing that will get him arrested next time. Amber, they said if I did, they would be obliged to go arrest him. Io, why didn't you? Amber, because it would have gone straight to TMZ, which will happen on Monday anyway. Right after leaving the apartment, Johnny texted Amber and said, this is the last time we're ever gonna talk, you fucked up, I hate you, yada yada yada. But the next day, there was a little change in tune. Johnny wrote, just let me know when you have a minute and I'll give you a call. Nothing I have to say to you should elicit anything but a sense of ease. All my love and profound apologies. Jay. Amber. Yes, but I'm scared and sad and want to be alone and in a quiet place to talk. Are you okay if I wait till I get home to call? I know you're busy, so please tell me if that's okay. I can text you when I'm there. Is that okay? Johnny. Whenever you feel like it. I'm sad, scared, and I am broken. My sweet slim. I want you happy. I have zero harsh feelings. I am clear and I am me. The me that you once loved. We can cure one another of this constant misery born of love. Then May 27th, she filed for a restraining order. Amber later told Johnny that she didn't want to file the restraining order, but said that Johnny's lawyers had told her that since she filed for divorce, she was only going to have 21 days to leave the apartment that she lived in, along with the apartments that Rocky and Josh were staying in because they all belonged to Johnny. So Amber's attorneys told her that the best way to make sure she couldn't get evicted was to file a restraining order against Johnny. That way she could be on the premises for longer and Johnny couldn't enter without her permission. Now the same day that Amber filed the restraining order, Johnny texted Amber's parents and they responded despite Amber specifically telling them not to talk to him anymore. I understand why she put mom and dad in quotes. But Johnny wrote to Amber's mom, I will never understand how we got here. My love for your daughter has been constant and impenetrable, but we are divorcing because I was two hours late for her birthday dinner, because I was in a meeting with new business managers and the bank as my former business manager fucked me over royally. Also, she knew I was going to be late. I texted her from the meeting. She treated me like a red-headed stepchild in front of all of her friends and it only got worse when we came home. She got violent and I left as I always do when she decides to get violent with me. Her charges against me are simply not true. I did not throw her phone at her. I was facing away from her to walk away and lopped it over my shoulder. I had no idea she wouldn't just catch it or if it would land on the couch. And then of course Rocky comes into the rescue as if I am some goddamn psycho beast. The timing is ugly. My mom passed away. Amber, the love of my life, can no longer exist in me. To perjure herself against me is too far. I don't deserve this page, but if this is what's happening, this is what I must deal with. Apparently, she's back with Tasia Fantasia. Then Johnny sent a text to Amber's dad saying, I guess I was so bad that it was fine for her to leave me and go to Coachella for four fucking days with all of her girlfriends and to not give her birthday to us. 
The festival and her friends were clearly more important than working things out with me. With these lies she is spewing to save her ass in the press, the truth will always catch up, and the truth will be a bitch. And I have not said a word. I have two witnesses who were in the room when she said that I flung a phone at her. Absolute fucking lie. No, actually, that's a lie. The only people in the room when Johnny threw the phone was Amber and Johnny, and then Aya was on the phone call. The two bodyguards that later testified as witnesses for Johnny weren't in the room when that part happened. They said that they were out in the hall. Whatever. He continues and says, She has filed a restraining order against me, man. Cruel and unforgivable. I've done nothing but love her. Amber's dad says, The lawyer told her she had to or she would have no place to live in 30 days. To which Johnny says, That is absolute bullshit. Her lawyer asked for two weeks at the downtown place, and I said no, she could stay there as long as she liked. Now actually, I do believe that. I do believe that Johnny said that Amber could stay as long as she liked. I also believe that Johnny's attorneys were saying something very different without his permission. Now, why I believe that will come in another audio recording. But before that one, we have our next recording in July of 2016. So in this one, Amber and Johnny are together again. Not like in a relationship again, but like they're in the same room despite the restraining order. So they do their usual back and forth. It gets a little heated. Not as bad as some of the other occasions, but still. They're not very nice to each other. They eventually talk about the end of their relationship. Amber says that she just wanted Johnny to get clean and sober, and he basically says, well, fuck you. I thought you get clean and sober and we'd fix a lot of our problems. I'm and never getting clean and sober. I know. <laughs> so many more problems, it would be hard. Well, you can deal with like them Like yesterday, not. like yesterday, our conversations were going so much better, and then in they much you go why do you drink so much why do you drink all the time why do you do this why do you do that it was because of me you yes it's my fault you drink okay it's not your fault it's just that's why i did it but it got so much worse because i couldn't stand the fucking haranguing at all times but then johnny says something kind of notable i don't want a divorce i never wanted a fucking divorce really? i never wanted a divorce i didn't want you to fucking go to coachella without fucking talking what? to me and I will point your attention back to the text that Johnny sent Amber's dad when he said, I guess I was so bad that it was fine for her to leave me and go to Coachella for four fucking days with all of her girlfriends and to not give her birthday to us. The festival and her friends were clearly more important than working things out with me. So all this shit about how unreasonable Amber is because she wouldn't let Johnny just disappear anytime the two of them had a fight and now Johnny is butthurt because she went to Coachella for a planned vacation that he was invited to for her birthday after the two of them had a fight 
where he had already left the house. Do you see how uneven this ground is? Amber is insane because she would get mad at Johnny for disappearing for days at a time whenever they had a fight, but she can't go to Coachella with her friends without being accused of betraying the marriage somehow. Then we have some other audio recordings from around July. Uh, they're pretty chopped up. I don't think that there's really like a full recording of this stuff, so it's hard to know what the context for some of these events is. This is also the time period that produced the audio recording of Johnny cutting himself in front of Amber. And on July 16th, we get to that message that Johnny sent Amber's former nurse saying that he was the client ultimately, and they were supposed to just give Amber drugs to calm her down. On August 13th, 2016, Johnny sent a text to Amber's former assistant saying that they were going to get her flabby ass nice and good. Two days after that, he sent a text message to Christian Carino, AKA the former Mr. Lady Gaga to be. Lady Gaga's ex-fiance, and thank fucking God she didn't marry him. Johnny wrote, she's begging for total global humiliation. She's gonna get it. I have no mercy, no fear, and not an ounce of emotion or what I once thought was love for this gold-digging, low-level, dime-a-dozen, mushy, pointless, dangling, overused, flappy fish market. I'm so fucking happy she wants to go to fight this out. She will hit the wall hard. I cannot wait to have this waste of a cum guzzler out of my life. I met a fucking sublime little Russian here. Which made me realize the time I blew on that 50 cent stripper. I wouldn't touch her with a goddamn glove. I can only hope that karma kicks in and takes the gift of breath from her. Sorry man, but now I will stop at nothing. Let's see if Mollusk has a pair. Come see me face to face. I'll show him things he's never seen before, like the other side of his dick when I slice it off. Mollusk refers to Elon Musk, who Amber started dating right after her and Johnny separated because Amber has the worst taste in men on the planet. Then we have another audio recording from somewhere around that time. We don't have a specific date, but roughly around here. And this is the recording that makes me think that Johnny really didn't have any intention to kick Amber or her friends out in like 21 or 30 days. In his conversation with Amber, he does seem genuinely confused by what his team is doing. And it also doesn't seem like Johnny knew that his team was probably taking information to TMZ, even though his divorce attorney has known close connections to TMZ. She's actually even name-dropped in that New Yorker piece from 2016. This was completely private and was under the radar, and you did not have to file back. And I warned you that day, if you don't have to file back, if you, if you file back, it's up, it's up to being discovered. And I'm thinking naively that it would just be discovered by the way that, like, TNZ typically discovers these things. I didn't know it would be hand-delivered to them within five, so it was like five minutes, not even. I did not know it would be given to them. I did not know, I couldn't have known at that time how, how much Laura was going to um, use TNZ um, to her favor. I did not know that. So I just thought naively that... TMZ could likely discover it if it was filed on your uh, on your part. I warned you, I said this to you, thinking that you were going to be participating. I said, hey, just so you know, you don't have to file. I'm not going to go after you. I don't want to stop talking to you or whatever, whatever. And you don't have to file. If you file, it just opens us up to being discovered. Because by, for some reason, the way we filed, what and would I ate my lawyer when she filed, she didn't explicit, explicit instructions to file within a stack of a bunch of other paperwork at the end of the day so that it would be it, it would be more likely to not be discovered 
And I was told that would be the most effective method to being uh, having a shot at it not being picked up for a day or two. I thought, hey, maybe we'll buy a few hours, you know? And I worked really hard, and so did my team, and it didn't get picked up by some miracle. So, like, literally three days, it didn't get known about. Eight minutes or five minutes after your team filed for you, which is a move they didn't have to make, then it was, it was picked up by Team Z. It was given to Team Z within five minutes of it being filed. And Laura went and did it at the very opening of the business day on top of the stack of paperwork. That is the opposite of keeping it private. And I just want you to know the whole truth. Like well, if, I, if I were you, I'd want to know all the information. I do, I do. I would like you to know all the information too. But, did, did, I mean, do you have proof of that? Yeah. Well, good, good, excellent. Well, I didn't... I mean, I didn't know anything about her filing the TMZ or any like that. She knows what I wanted. I don't... Sure. And I think maybe she's trying to do what's best for you without maybe, you, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know, but... If that's the case, I'll, 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 I'll acknowledge it, <clears throat> you know. Um, and if you say you say approve, yeah. then I'll acknowledge it. Look, I, I, it doesn't shock me that, 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 that any... Yeah, it just makes sense. Attorney would do something like that. It doesn't, you know, um, yeah. it doesn't yeah. shock me. I, I just want you to know, I've not done anything and have not been doing any moves. Like, look it up, the timeline. Nothing was on the offense. Everything has been a defensive move because I'm being called a liar and a gold digger. And I'm not lying about any of this and I am not after a dime of your money. And you know what? I was told by Laura and after the first meeting, uh, thing, the reason that I stupid clicked um, I'm speaking spousals for because I was told that that was my only option because no divorce attorney would ever say not and then lose all rights to everything. Laura Walter had proposed that I leave, not proposed, I'm sorry, said I would have to leave. I'd be kicked out, be evicted, so Rock and Josh and everybody, evicted within 21 days. No, I, but I told you, I told, last, last time we spoke, I told you that you, that you were fine. You stay there two, two three, four months, whatever, just figure it out, we'll figure it out. You, you stay there, you be comfortable. I thought that too. That, be in your home. Be in your home. And yet again, there are moments in this recording where I do feel for like a brief second that maybe these two can just figure this out. Not like get back together, obviously, but be in a space where they're just not enemies with each other anymore. Obviously, that hope did not come to fruition. But I mostly just feel really, really bad for Amber. Defending yourself by throwing someone under the bus is not going to look good. I'm not, it's not about that. It would not be about me throwing you under the bus. You know what it would be? It would be released through documented people coming on the record and having the protection to do so that haven't had yet. It would be eyewitness statements. It would be evidence, tons of it. And it would be through years. And it would be unbelievable, unbelievable um, to imagine that either I'm in A, a secret fake club, or B, I've had, um... A secret what? I've had swap, a secret fight club, or that I have been plotting to do this for the, you know, for three years, and while well, taking pictures of it, and documenting it, just saving it up for the right time when I'm not asking for any money and have nothing financial to gain from it. And I'm, all 
see me throwing you under the bus. That's ev- that will be evident in this case. Which I will have it will be criminal as well because I cannot go on Friday and file without filing a police statement first. And the only reason I haven't filed that police statement, which has been used against me by the way, every day. And the only reason I won't do it, I haven't done it. It's because I don't want to hurt you, and that means it goes out of my hands. And every, we have a third party guy, a uh, third party prosecutor come, and um, and a criminal lawyer come, and they went, like, the problem is hearing from you, like, your biggest struggle is that this is just, this is such a, it's the most solid evidence case of domestic violence I've ever seen. And if you give this over to them or present any part of it, it's, they will prosecute him. And I felt like, I would, I would, I'm not, like, I would never want that. Because, you know, I don't even, it's hard for me to even understand, I don't call my mom, like, it's not in my head, it's hard for me to even accept any sort of victimdom ever. I, I don't want to hurt you. I understand, I understand, and I don't want to hurt you either. You do whatever you feel you have to do. I'm telling you now it's a mistake to go to court. But if you want to go to court, we'll go to court. I would rather I would rather take care of it a different way. I think it would it would be very good for you, and I think it would be very good for me. But you know what, I've baby? Been called a liar. Baby. And I've been called baby. A gold baby. 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 Amber, I didn't call you those things. I didn't call you those things. It is all from your side, and you see, if you don't believe me, then we, why are we talking? It's so pointless to even talk like we trust or love or respect each other at all, if you don't believe me what I'm saying. Do you remember me 15 minutes ago saying, let me make a call, let me get on this, and I'll try and get yeah. back in touch with you? Okay? Yeah. So, let's not jump. Okay. Let's not jump on me, okay? I'm not trying to jump on you. I'm sorry. It's been going on too long, Albert, and we just got to stop this. I don't know how to get my um, reputation back. We write a letter together saying that we're going to take this out of the public eye, saying that we're going to try and work this out on on our own, saying that the media has created such a hateful storm that we love each other and that we want to make sure each other is okay. Have we had fights in the past? Have we had this or whatever? They already know all that. Don't matter. Here's the deal. No, it matters. It makes. I, I have been. I have. That you have no idea. Every ounce of my credibility has been taken from. I mean, and done so in a dishonest way. This recording then produces another highly discussed moment during the trial. It starts when the two are talking about the 911 call that Ayo made on Amber's behalf. I did not call the cops. I made some Ayo called the cops. You told Ayo to call the cops. I did not call the cops and I did not give them any statement when they came. I've been trying to protect you. I you told Ayo to, to call the cops. Call. When? When? While it, while it was happening? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, because the last time that it got crazy between us, I really did think I was going to lose my life, and I thought you would do it on accident. And I told you that. I said, oh my god, I thought the first time... Amber, I, I lost oh, a f- finger, man, come on. I had a f- I had a f- A I mineral can't, a jar of can of mineral spirits thrown at my nose. I, you can please tell 
guilty movement, it was a fair fight. And see what the see what the jury and judge think. Tell the world, Johnny. Tell them, Johnny Depp. I, Johnny Depp, man, I I am a victim of people's domestic violence, and yes. I, you know, it's a fair fight. And see how many people believe or side with you. It doesn't matter if it's fair, fair, fair fight. My Exactly, because you're big, you're bigger, and you're stronger. And so when I say that I thought you could kill me, that doesn't mean you counter with you also that uh, you lost your own finger. I, I am not trying to attack you here. I'm just trying to point out the fact of why I said call 911 because I was you are you had your hands on me after you threw a phone in my face, and I just got crazy in the past, and I truly thought I need to. Stop this madness before I get hurt. Oh my god. And I never think about myself that way. I never defend myself that way. I never see myself as a victim. All it's right. too fault, you know? Alright, yeah. And I, 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 when they came, I did not cooperate with them. It has been used against me, not by the media, by your side. Alright, fine. Do you, you believe what you believe? I'm gonna, I'm gonna call to these people, I'm gonna take care of this, see what the is going on. I will get back to you. Otherwise, listen, as far as I can tell right now, it sounds like you want to go to court. You want to f*** this up real bad. I don't. I just want to clear my name. I've been telling all the lawyers this in the beginning, and your lawyers knew this. You cannot don't clear up your name now. Don't let them lie to you. Don't let them lie to you. I have said only this from the very beginning. I only have my integrity. And they, the unfortunate thing is... They what about mine? They need to step further. What about mine? They, he, he, every step of the way, I have said to them, the thing is, they're hurting Johnny by this because every time that they call me a liar or they say this is not true or see this is text messages not actually happened or that uh, uh, your security guard, which by the way was a follow-up to your security guard thing they never saw abuse happening. The same security guard who, by the way, have said to me multiple times that I was going to get killed. Now, they actually don't wind up going to court in this instance. On August 19th, they finally agree to a settlement. Then the divorce is finalized in December of 2017. Johnny kept all of his real estate and all of his 40 vehicles, I guess he had. Amber received custody of the two dogs. Neither one took any sort of spousal support, and Amber only took $7 million, which is a tiny, tiny amount compared to what she could have gotten given the fact that they never had a prenup. Amber pledged to donate that money to a children's hospital and the ACLU. She had a plan to donate it over the course of 10 years, but she hasn't been able to make quite a lot of those payments. She keeps ending up back in court. First, when Johnny sued the son and she had to go testify as a witness there and had to get her own lawyers. Then again, in 2022, when she said that she had already spent about $6 million on attorney's fees. The whole thing about Amber didn't donate all of the money is so fucking stupid. Could she have donated it the second Johnny gave her a check for $7 million? Yeah, I guess so. But also, that's just not really what rich people do. They're tricky, and they got tricky little business managers who tell them exactly how to spend their money to maximize the amount of tax credits they get. The ACLU has already said it was the plan all along for Amber to donate that money over the course of a decade. And the only reason she hasn't been able to make those payments is because this legal battle that Johnny has been waging against her for years has sucked her dry of money. Amber did not have that much money to begin with. In 2015, when they got married, she only had an income of like $250,000. And after expenses, she reportedly only took home like $50,000. And she was also financially supporting her parents 
and her sister. So okay, she didn't donate $7 million the day she got a divorce. Oh well. Now with the divorce, they both agreed to sign an NDA and said that they were never gonna talk about their relationship publicly ever again. Johnny broke that NDA in October of 2018. And two months later, in partnership with the ACLU, Amber publishes an op-ed for the Washington Post that brings us to where we are today, pretty much. But the story is not totally done yet. However long this video ends up being, it's actually just like part one. What I actually want to discuss is how Johnny managed to win the lawsuit in 2022, kinda. Despite the evidence in this case not being on his side in the slightest. But since so many people already believe that Amber Heard is a liar, I felt like I needed to make this video first so that I could at least have this as like the groundwork for why Amber is in fact not a liar. Maybe a fibber at times. She could be a little bit more transparent about certain things, but definitely not the big bad villain that a lot of people have made her out to be. So yeah, I guess come back next time to learn about the Hollywood fixer that seems to have been working in Johnny's favor post-divorce, or how Johnny's former attorney, a man with known connections to Vladimir Putin, coerced individuals into giving some pretty shitty statements about Amber, despite some of them, or at least one of them, not really wanting to, or how he was thrown off the case in the Fairfax trial by the judge because he was found to have leaked confidential information about Amber to the press, or how coordinated hate campaigns and the targeted propaganda of right-wing media organizations contributed to this bullshit public opinion trial. For now, though, that's it. This is a pro Johnny Depp stream, but to be honest, let's be honest, guys. I mean, you know, I don't want to say I don't want to piss people off, but uh, let's just be honest. Um, I don't know what you're going for here. I really, I really, people are just going to get angry if I tell the truth right now.